0: The gig part.
1: As I said before, it's about momentum and gaining fans and gaining the support, and I think the girls have done that. It's another massive step for women's football.
0: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show, from off the ball.
2: Seven, You're very welcome along to the Off The Ball Breakfast Show. We're here all the way through until 10 this morning. If you want to get in touch, at Off The Ball AM on Twitter. You can leave a comment on our YouTube stream, youtube.com forward slash Off The Ball. Or, of course, you can always get us by uh, old school text. 0879 180, 180 is the number. Shane's here. Shane, good morning to you. Good morning. We don't have a fax, do we? Fax machine, no? Uh, no. Mm. Although I think probably there are apps on the... Ah, uh, yeah, computer which you can actually fax through to now. Alright. You know, mm. Jesus. technology. You're very old school there, Shane.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a
3: nostalgia. Yeah.
0: Cameron's here too. Cameron, good morning to you. Good morning. I believe our carrier pigeon was shot down somewhere over France. Cooked. Oh, right. Cooked yeah. and eaten. Yeah. Mm. Jesus. it's terrible. terrible. <laughs> really terrible. Um, anyway, good morning. Pigeon tastes surprisingly nice. Ah, it does not, does it? It does, yeah. Do you get it with shot in it, like in succession? Uh, uh no. No. Okay. That was the Ortolans. No, do you remember they go to the mother's house and she has pigeon? Ah. She says, "I'm sorry, it's not a double cheeseburger." What, with truffle fries?
3: What does Greg and his grandfather read in succession where they have to put the the napkin over their head? Remember that's the not th- the grandfather. That's Tom. Uh, sorry, it's Tom. Yeah. Tom yeah. Yeah, it's right,
0: right. They're
3: the, they're, That's Ortolan. Ortolans. Ah, right, right.
2: Ort- Ortolans.
0: Ortolan. Never had Ortolan. Uh, well, it's legal. Oh yes. Okay. It's supposed to be legal. So, so no. Yeah. So on the record, no.
2: Francois Mitterrand is a big fan of it and I think had it with Charlie Hawley at one point. Right. That was the first time I ever came across the... The thing about this is because you're so ashamed that you're eating this whole bird and... It mm. Explodes. That's why, okay.
3: Right. Yeah. You should try it sometime. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you should try everything once in your life. Yeah. That's legal. I do that when I eat a takeaway as well because you have that takeaway guilt. So you just put a towel <laughs> over your head. Yeah.
0: No <laughs> <You> one needs <laughs> let to Absolutely watch. the same thing. Yeah. No one needs to watch you eat that kebab. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah. The shame shame. Is that actually me? Yeah, you would
3: wonder. Spinning around in the thing.
2: Anyway, we got, uh, we got distracted. I yeah. don't know how we got AC. there, but sure. There yeah. is an alternative universe where we would, this morning, be preparing for the bandwagon to crank into full overdrive, where Ireland would be preparing for a game against England in the last 16 of the World Cup. We'd have uh, a World Cup warm-up this weekend. Ireland are playing Italy in rugby mm-hmm. as a warm-up for the Rugby World Cup, which is now hurtling towards the tracks. There'd be some Irish players in, you know, being transferred in advance of the Premier League season. And maybe if the Sporting Gods had been truly shining on us, we'd be getting ready for a replay of Dublin Kerry, which would be a whole Dublin Kerry weekend where it's the men's on the Saturday and the women's on the Sunday. Instead, it feels like it's after the Lord Mayor show and there's not that much for us to get stuck into.
0: Mm. Well, there's the championship kicking off this weekend. Hashtag all leads are we. Shall us throw that in the mix too is it, is it something like that? yeah yeah oh Leeds god. Cardiff baby oh my god 3 o'clock Sunday snuck
3: up that snuck up big time
0: yeah mm-hmm. there you go uh, get in there Leeds fans it,
3: it, feels, it does feel strange the season being over I know it's, we're into August now but like having no football to look forward to or hurling is like oh, what do we do I know the club will, will, will kick you in. can go it's, watch some scraps and club matches if you want I went uh, last weekend I went to an intermediate relegation playoff in Monaghan yeah like, was it good yeah it was enjoyable enough but like it's just it, it it fills the void a little bit, to be fair, when it's your own club involved, I guess, but Yeah, it's, um it, there's just something missing. Did you win? Uh, my club team won. Modern harp's one, yes. Right. Five points down at half time, Jarr won by seven in the end. Uh, Six know. in the end. So the modern club football game is pretty pretty strong. Uh, some counties I'd say you're going on the quality mightn't be too hectic, but um yeah, at least people have, have something to watch. It's just it all feels a bit soon, you know.
2: It does feel a little bit soon. Even even a fortnight, I think, even an extra fortnight, if the, if the hurling was the first Sunday in August and the football was the second Sunday in August.
0: Mm. Oh, well, it just came very thick and fast. We'd barely gotten over the hurling and suddenly we are being thrust into a football final. And now it's done? And now it's done. It was and also, like, yeah. Oh, cool. like,
3: even when I was down and doing the interviews in Kerry and Dublin, and even the hurling as well, like, they were... All lamenting the fact that there was only a two-week lead into the final. Like you need at least a three, just to feel the buzz, the general vibe, the the rumours that will start to circulate in camps about injuries and whatnot. Like you need that, and then it should be, of course, but they spoke about it in the pay per view on Sunday. It should be a national holiday. Well, some Mick O'Keefe was making that point. I was about to bring that up. I think we might have played the clip on the show yesterday about
2: how something needs to happen over the whole weekend and the whole kind of Croke Park area needs to be on fire. Wait and see what Dublin is like when the college football comes, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be incredible. It's going to be this incredible takeover of the city. And they've managed to do that in the space of less than a decade. Like, it's, it's even shorter. And when you think about it, it didn't even exist during COVID, right? Whereas we've had like, you know, all the way back to uh, 1884, to come up with a plan to make something special happen in, in the city, wherever it's happening, and mm-hmm. in the general area. But there's, I don't know, there's just this reluctance. It's like, Asher, ah, sure, it might rain. Hmm. Nobody will come out if it
3: rains. And why, you know, uh, I don't know. On a practical level, what do you mean? As in, I suggested the you know the flyover and that sort of thing by the Irish Air Corps, but that, I was accused of being militaristic, maybe in, in uh, that you you gonna, uh, You're yeah. pro NATO, we well, know that. there you go. Yeah. But, yeah, but what, are, what's, what other sort of things are we talking here? Like, is it just look at the Super Bowl and see what they do and, and do that? But well,
0: Jim, Den- Dennis Walsh made that piece yesterday in the um, Times saying that the Kilmacud Sevens doesn't go on anymore, and that's a big part of the weekend. Does it not go on? Well, it wasn't on the, this weekend. Are we sure? That's because it's, kil- it's a, kiln- it's, a kiln- it's now, apparently. Like, yeah.
2: Well, you set him up and Shane
0: knocks him out of the park. Yeah, nice. Up. That was very nice. But it doesn't feel like a festival of Gaelic football and didn't really feel like a festival of hurling the week before. So I couldn't tell from what Mick was saying that the Sevens was happening
2: and nobody knew about it because people weren't making a weekend of it anymore. And look, I do accept that a lot of people were coming up and going back down on the same day because, Cost. frankly, it's ridiculously expensive and. So you can't just do this, but I i don't know, like uh, music outside, uh, arrive early. So uh, 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 on the way, I was like, oh, they're playing the Stunning very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually the Stunning were in the stadium playing, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about. And the Merry Wallopers. For the Hurlers, with the, with apparently it was the Merry Wallopers. Mm-hmm. Again, um, I was there relatively early. I saw both of the Jubilee teams being presented. although well, I couldn't actually hear because for whatever reason, the sound in the Cusick is nowhere near as good as the sound in the Hogan right? I, you couldn't actually I couldn't hear the speeches I couldn't hear Larry going now now <laughs> when the crowd were booing uh, David Goff so I don't know I just think that like there's it'll be it'll be interesting to see the City Council managed to put on a brilliant homecoming for the team so obviously they're capable of doing stuff um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do on Thursday for the, the women's football on O'Connell
3: Street and what kind of a crowd shows up for that of I mean, fans are creatures of habit. Like, I can't imagine Dublin and Kerry fans are fans of counties that are used to being in finals. You know, all all of a sudden, you know, oh, we've music actually an hour before throw in in this venue. Like, they're going to be in the same pub they've been in for forty years for finals.
2: Yeah, maybe, but like, there are also there, you can bring the families, which is the start of it, and that'll attract people to see what's going on. So, like, I don't know, is it a is there a skills competition on the pitch beforehand for like at two o'clock for the three thirty throw in because the teams are coming out. From 2.45, I don't know, also, like, could there be music outside, around the vicinity? Mm. Could there be better food trucks close to the ground, as opposed to, like, the, oh, here's a bit of salmonella burger for you? Like, you know, good quality (laughs) stuff, maybe? Or, Or do we not want the quality? Are we like, we're suspicious, I'm sorry, it has the sauce on it, I'm not eating it.
0: I like, think yeah, we do have to be more outside nice. the box. Yeah. We have to be more outside the box in terms of how we deliver this as a product rather than just a game. I don't think we should necessarily look over to America just because mm-hmm. you know they can mythologize absolutely anything. Like, so Super Bowl is only a '60s invention, and it seems to have been carved into Plymouth Rock the way they go on about it. Uh, it takes a long time for those things to bed in. I know when they had the the performer, who was it that? did the song before the Champions League final in that disastrous Stade de France game and she was really annoyed because no one was listening to her. It, we, it takes a while for that to become quote-unquote tradition. So we need to look at something that maybe is a little bit more out of the box. And maybe that is the Mary wallopers and it was just that the weather wasn't good enough on Sunday or maybe it is something along those lines. But I think getting an instant fix we're probably... You know... Milica Bayo yeah. was that singer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was not happy. But, you know, football fans aren't there for a performance and a four-hour kind of spectacle.
3: We don't have a, half, a half-time a show where you, they quickly set up a stage on the crook Park pitch. Mm. I'd pop you 2 or... I don't know. The script. I don't, who's but, big these
2: days with the kids. Uh, uh, like, you know, I, I do... I do. I. I. I think it's interesting that um, the BBC managed to add a little bit of Stardust mm-hmm. straight away. Like first year, what are we going to do? Bit of Stardust. We've thought about this. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a slightly tangential. No. Like. But like all very gettable people. Anyway. You
0: yeah, know? Would the minor final being on the same day help. No. I. No. I, I. So I. am I think there. I think the move to remove the. Oh, the minor final.
2: Uh, being the most important thing of all time is is a good move generally because as since you know, seventeen year olds sixteen year olds, mm. but um, you know like uh, you could definitely put Joe McDonough before it. Now the atmosphere was really good for the Dublin Kerry game because everybody there was there to see Dublin and Kerry, and I don't know if there was ten thousand tickets gone for Talton, yeah or yeah or um, Joe McDonough in the hurling. Mm. Would that would that change? I don't think it would. Like. It, it, it was very clear that this wasn't the festival that the hurling final was where all of hurling comes together to watch the hurling this was Dublin mm. this was Dublin GA and Kerry GA and nobody else like you can all watch at home lads and maybe that's what it should be but I don't know I don't know yeah uh, Brian says they should bring back the minor final the same day as the I don't know there should but, be some uh, game on before do we need music to get fans to go really as we not? no I'm just saying something good like it doesn't have to be I don't know but, you know, bigger brains than ours could think about this for a while and come up with some plans and have, here's a programme. Like, I would like a, a, a three point, the three-point, the slam-dunk contest equivalent for hurling and football. I don't
3: know what it is, but, like, I'm sure that we could come up with some stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah, how, I don't know what the equivalent is, because you, you get people in basketball matches doing the whole layup three-pointer, uh, half-court shot, that sort of thing. But, like, do people care about that? I, I think Irish people are just built differently, where... Immune to bullshit, and I, I feel like that sort of thing. Sometimes people are like, Ah, the state of this, we won't even stay no, on. It's for not like-
2: bullshit. Like, having, no, yeah. having crack isn't bullshit. No, it's like, not. But it- having something organized for families isn't bullshit. Forced crack is bullshit, though. But it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be shit. Mm. It doesn't have to be actually crap. That's the thing. Mm. Like, it could be good, but we can't do anything. It might not be good. Somebody might criticize us. Oh, no, I'm terrified of trying something. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
3: Well, tr- let's,
2: let's stay buttoned down and repressed for all our lives. Somebody might not like this.
3: They're always trying the wrong thing. Like, they, they moved the feck and no, that's to so, the match that's the so... Un- like,
0: always trying the wrong thing. <laughs> the Homer Simpson uh, line, the, the moral is never try.
3: Yeah, you know? just never try. Yeah. Never change things. Um, and, and the, the point machine and the pity there's no singing or chants in the pubs beforehand. All you have is come on, you boys in blue, or Kerry, clap, clap, clap. Yeah, and we've had that discussion before—the f- the lack of chance. Mm. Anywho, yeah. let's move on.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Were,
2: you, were you at the celebrations, Shane, last night? <laughs>
3: were you? I, I I passed very near to the celebrations. And right. And what was it like. To, I yeah. Diverted and uh, could hear the bagpipes and and different things uh, emanating from Smithfield Square. The the waves or the sails on Smithfield Square lit up in blue, sounded like grey crack. I have to say, and there was a lot of Dublin jerseys in the pubs and spilling out in the general Smithfield area. Um, big guard of presence, big security presence. Uh, that sounded like a good crack. I didn't bother peeping the head down, but um, yeah, I think for Dublin people to have that massive long two-year drought, over, obviously the emotion has just poured out of them. Um, so yeah, I fair play to them. I think they 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 have enjoyed this one. Is your bitterness increasing or decreasing? Ah, decreasing. Monaghan are now like surely like we might probably move up to third in the rankings because the oh the power rankings are coming up a bit later. Yeah, they lost the they. eventual winners
2: should have done our coming up I'll do a coming up now and then you can tell me about how, how you're less bitter yeah. so Sean O'Sullivan is going to give us the uh, Kerry view at 8 o'clock we're going to go to Australia to talk to Cathy McNamee about the bitter fallout from the Republic of Ireland's exit at the World Cup Lindsay Davey's going to preview the uh, look back at the women's football semi-finals for us our power rankings with Tommy from 9 and we'll play it out with uh, Boylan O'Sullivan who said that David Clifford is the footballer of the year nailed on no questions asked um, but he's not he's not, he's not, the, he's not the betting favourite the players get to vote for this though so there's a good chance that maybe
3: I don't know I tend to agree that David Clifford well, what, he, like he is the footballer of the year isn't he well, like, I, do, I don't know I think that like coming down the stretch mm-hmm. do you know are you you're a man who's always often given out about double points for finals and oh no finals?
2: I'm, I'm all in favour of double
3: points for finals oh right right okay oh,
2: I'm uh, like the footballer of the year the year that Donaghy came off the bench in the semi-final <laughs> and was man of the match in the final was Kieran Donaghy like mm. he didn't get it. They didn't even. They didn't even nominate him. But uh, oh, you you do it in all out final when everything like it it's absolutely double points for a final. But then what's the point? Like that's just the point is that it's like the two best teams finally coming up against each other. If it's footballer of the year, uh, it's, yeah, but the
0: the year football of the fortnight would be a different award. But even so, I think we're probably blinkered by his flashes of brilliance. Sometimes that like he didn't play all that well in that quarter final against Tyrone, save for that moment where he kept the ball in from going out on the side spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he wasn't that remarkable. So I don't think it's quite him. I think probably Brian Fenton or I think James McCarthy maybe, to be honest. Well, look, Mc- McCarthy definitely... He's going
2: to win it like McCarthy, yeah. I, I think Fitzsimons has a case. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: but anywho, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on, I suppose. Can someone answer this question for me? And PWC has asked the same question. Can someone f- explain how and why Dublin fans get to fill out the hill every time do they just buy the tickets first or do they get first dibs in the tickets as it's a home game uh, it's a home game we all know that well yeah. it's definitely a home game but like I, I was hearing rumours before the semi-final that Monaghan fans had in their droves got the early link and bought tickets for the hill and I was thinking Mon fan, double fans aren't going to like this like Monaghan fans have taken over the hill then you get to the match that's Dublin majority and you're like well, like, yeah, man, what happened here Like home advantage can well how did uh, they get the tickets first Sure, like the tickets go on sale at the same time for everyone because it's apparently a neutral venue. So uh, how do Dublin it, fans get the hill? I don't know. I
2: Actually, I don't know. We should maybe someone, ask some someone questions. Someone let us know, yeah. That's a good question. Maybe we could do some journalism on it We could, we will. We could ask official people to tell us officially what the process is mm. and, uh, and how the makeup of it is decided. Because it is, definitely. like there was a brilliant lyrical description of it by Paul Galvin during the football pod talking about looking up and the hands are like shoals of fish and... Uh, and you know there are definitely moments in the game where all of a sudden come on you boys in blue starts to ring out and you're like oh you're you're suddenly jolted out of the moment of the game. Mm. Yeah. So
0: it it, it <clears throat> I mean it clearly has an impact. Oh. Do you was, know that was what Jack O'Connor said. He said the turning point was scoring into the hill for Paddy Small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was an on goal, wasn't it? Yeah. that not an on goal. Well, if
3: his original shot was on target which Was it, it on
2: target? Uh, it was very I don't close. Think it, was.
3: it was very Is It was going over. I think it was going low was it? I, Lowish. Don't, I don't know I haven't seen still haven't uh, you have to give it to Paddy Small to be fair yeah in fairness it was a heroic attempted block by Paul Murphy but um, yeah probably inadvertently led to the goal Um, I look there's a few of the Kerry lads I'd say be looking back at some of the moments Garrett, Gavin White in particular
0: yeah I think so um, on Saturday's show I said that the Gavin White Paddy Small was the only no brainer I thought that Gavin White would have Paddy Small in his pocket all day in terms of matchups. so I'd like to apologise to Paddy Small (laughs) Mm. Um, off the back of that. Um, I thought the Kerry defence was
2: sensational. I think Kerry are going to have a long, dark winter of the soul where they are wondering how the hell did they manage to lose that game? And look, it it is really interesting. The, The celebrations, the outpouring of pure joy from the dubs and the conversations that they've been having about whether or not this is the end... Um, Desi says they didn't use the the last dance uh, motif as a thing because it it could be a bit inauthentic. But certainly a lot of the players were talking about this probably is the last dance for a lot of people. So, Mm. um, you know, for some of them, that that motivation was there. I thought Fenton's interview, I don't know when he was talking, he was talking yesterday at some point, and um, they were all loose yesterday. They were all just like totally they've been on the piss for at least 24 hours the the points were literally in the post-match press conference and I don't think they'd stopped so when they were chatting yesterday they were like yeah, yeah uh, Fenton saying that he did it for Desi obviously his family and he did it for Desi and he did it for James McCarthy they were his motivations but he brought up unprompted the COVID breach the training breach people saying Desi should step aside us getting relegated and, and them questioning Desi and I don't know that whole kind of that whole narrative that was like oh he's not the this- and Desi Farrell deserves unbelievable credit for getting everybody back, for bringing Pacquiao Roy in, for retreating to the background to a point where okay, I'm I'm fully aware of everything that's happening here, mm. and then getting them all to perform at the level they performed. Like Mannion came back and was man of the match. McCaffrey came back and Fenton goes. Uh, everybody's scared of Jack McCaffrey. The only other player in Ireland who anybody is scared of like that might be Clifford. But every time McCaffrey gets the ball, the opposition is terrified. And he's right. Because like, he's totally so quick, yeah. That's the kind of analysis that everybody was doing in the pub afterwards. Like, oh he's everybody's scared of McCaffrey out
3: right there. And Fenton's like, everybody's scared of McCaffrey. It's like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, They're honest. Um, yeah, open and honest. Yeah. I saw Cluckston and a few of the lads were in the Boar's head early enough yesterday having their few pints and Sam Maguire was with them. The one thing I would say, and of course, made a similar point on the, the Sunday game, was that I think we in the media and generally people in the pubs, those conversations as well, retire players, Ourselves, it's like oh, they've reached this age. It's a, it's a bit of ageism here. Like we assume a player of a certain vintage or age is is automatically going to hang up the boots after a season like this. The same suggestion was made to Conor McManus and another player, any player in their mid thirties at the moment. Like some of these players mightn't be having this thought in their head whatsoever, and then they're reading in the papers. Oh, I wonder will they hang up their boots and all these column inches that being covered with by, by it. So I think it's something we need to be very careful with. I think in in Irish sporting circles is. I guess what in the newsline is this player going to keep playing? But look, sometimes it's not even in the player's head. To yeah, I, I think though that like James McCarthy brought it up. Well, no. he, yeah, unprompted. Uh, to be yeah. fair, him and Dean Rock did. Yeah, yeah.
2: Brilliant Dean Rock uh, post-match interview with Ashing O'Reilly, where again he was just completely relaxed, uh, talking about this is going to be the best fortnight of his life. He's off to Marbella this week for a bit of golf, and then he's coming back and he's getting married. So it's like. Yeah, scored the last point in the game. My last kick ever is like the the insurance point to beat Kerry <laughs> in an all-around final into the hill. Uh, and then I was like looking back at Dean Rock's career his record's unbelievable. Mm. He played 68 successive league and championship matches. Right. Jesus. Started or played? Started, play, started, started. started right? Sorry, started. Jesus. From the time that you get into the team he played 68 successive games. I'm like, oh my God. that's. Uh, so, you know, you kind of forget that this generational player
3: is... Um, is cycling out of the, the system at the moment. So, mm. um, he was just relieved talking to Ashley because he didn't have to change his wedding plans. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Jesus. The right of... replay. The replay would have scotched the wedding. Yeah. The pressure on that. Um, here's the point. Andy
2: Jennings says they should put on a weekend event similar to the Stony Batter Festival. Close off a few streets and from contact to traffic. Install outdoor seating outside boozers. Have quality food stalls and live music. That's exactly it. Mm. That's exactly what we're talking. About. No corporate bullshit. No, no invented, oh, we're here to have fun now. Hey, ho, ho hey. None of that bollocks, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, let a, let a local organization like the Stony Batter Festival take it over and go, here, we're going to support you with funding. And we're going to give you guaranteed space that's safe for people to come. And you can do all sorts of cool community things oh, yeah. that are not based around,
3: like, a glitzy, uh, as you say, Corporate wankology. Yeah, like, even to get the likes of in and Heron and these cobblestone ones out to play a bit of music on the streets. Um, and I, I love the, you know, the Comic Cons and the autograph conventions that, that they do where you get to meet your actors and they're all sitting around at a table and you pay a ten or whatever to get a signature. Like the GA, obviously, of course, an amateur sport. But you could have Barney Rock sitting there, you could have Pat Spillan sitting there, you could have Brolly sitting like one from each county, and there's 32 owl lads sitting around. And even owl lads, would would flock to meet them and talk to them about their memories growing up in the nostalgia and get a wee signature or a programme from the 74 All-Ireland final signed they by them
2: phones now Shane people take
3: photographs Well they do yeah of course I'm old school but autographs and selfies do you know and yeah. maybe, maybe you charge a fiver and the money goes to a, a worthy cause or
0: something Yeah, I don't yeah.
3: Know. charity of their choice Yeah so that that's something I'd get
2: involved in <laughs> We should talk about the row between Vera Powell and Katie McCabe uh, it's all over the front and the back papers back pages of the papers mm. Uh, front of the Irish Times is the picture of McCabe coming over to her and asking for uh, substitution to be made. Howe <laughs> uh, obviously tells everybody afterwards that it was Sinead Farley that McCabe wanted subbed off, and then um, McCabe apparently makes the, the change on the, on the pitch. Anyway, mm. herself. So I don't like. To, uh, is this a massive, massive deal? Or is this like just the type of stuff that happens
0: in teams all the time? Yeah, it's the time-honored tradition of a player and a manager fighting at a World Cup for Ireland uh, and other places.
3: Yeah, like, but it was made a big deal by Katie McCabe putting up the <laughs> the emoji like on social media. I think that that probably heightens it a bit. Thousands and thousands of likes and retweets or whatever you want to call it, like that probably stoked the fires a little bit. And I noticed it during the game, I, I was actually. While I was watching the match on here yesterday, I noticed after that sixty-five, seventy minutes, McCabe was shouting something over. I was trying to lip-read what she was saying, but she was clearly not happy with the sideline, and there was a couple of decisions that she wanted amended. So, I don't know. Uh, it's obviously not a great look that it comes out, right? Or or
2: or does it matter that it comes out? Are we all too precious about like the manager saying yes? Yeah, she wanted the change. I I said no. Like is that not like the type of thing that happens in a relatively? A straightforward environment where people are free to express an opinion mm. but the person whose job it is to make the decision makes the decision having taken on board the feedback
0: well, I yeah. think I've heard what you yeah. said I've decided no but they've escalated it because they've taken it beyond the pitch and kept talking about it I'm sure Sinead Farley's like "Geez Vera thank you so much for dragging me into this, this well brilliant. Uh, why, why would you blame Vera it was Katie McCabe who wanted her subbed off yeah but why name the player
2: well it was Katie McCabe because McCabe was like oh I want rid of her and like so what? What did she want? Like, I mean, it's actually Katie McCabe who was asking for Sinead Farley to come off. Mm, I mean, yeah. Why would Sinead Farley be pissed off with Vera Pow?
0: Because she brought her up in the press conference yeah, well, and she dragged rid into her. It. Yeah, but it would have stayed on the pitch. We wouldn't have. You know, it's better to be silent and be thought a fool than to speak and have everyone know. You know, I think being dragged into that can't help. It doesn't really help the morale of what seems to be a pretty touchy atmosphere anyway yeah and so is Katie McCain right to name
2: the individual like I want her off or is like we need to make a change get some fresh legs on well until her her over there she's the one I want (laughs) gone
0: until Vera says it it's all hearsay and it's like well the rumour is it's Sinead Farrelly I don't know for someone to come out and say yeah it's her that wanted it off especially given Sinead Farrelly's profile as a player who's sort of parachuted in late on in the day yeah, that, I mean that's so. Why did Katie McCabe want her? Why did she single
2: single her out? And and was Vera Powell correct that she was actually doing really well? So here's the thing: What if Katie McCabe was actually completely wrong? Right? Mm. What if she was right? I don't know. Is the thing, mm. but like it's uh, insurrection either way, isn't it? Well, is it insurrection? Well, well when you're, you're when you're the captain of the team and the, the game is going well or badly, are you not supposed to be giving feedback? To the manager,
3: yeah, it can be suggested in a certain way, can't it? You can run over to the manager, have a little whispered conversation. Um, no wild gesticulation or shouting back and forth. Was there was it, a there wasn't much, like really, but like, but it was but it was more it was public. It was more public than a little casual whisper that that could certainly happen between a, a manager and a captain, um, and, and just the whole fallout and the little emojis online and Denise O'Sullivan talking about distraction as well in her tweet. She just threw that word in as well as she was thanking the fans. Um, like it just feels a little bit easy for these players to now in the last fifteen twenty minutes of the last group game to yeah. then decide, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna say something. Get their, I'm lips gonna, in. I'm gonna, yeah, and get this in there because the because the fallout from this, like Vera, mightn't be in charge anymore. I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this in right now. I, I like I'm gonna show my my public, I guess, displeasure with some of her decisions on pitch and whatever else. So like. like so it, you think this was calculated by McCabe well, if, if to this throw was, Vera Power under the bus? If it was done, if it was done in the last fifteen twenty minutes of the first game, I'd be like, okay, well, Katie McCabe clearly has a an issue here. Let's sort it out. But it it, it feels like okay the, the World Cup is about to end. We can't get through anyway. We're drawing the match against Nigeria. Sinead Farley's not playing that badly. Let's be honest. So why why bring this up now as a, as a major issue and why get involved by putting up a, 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 a silence emoji on on Twitter? which you know before you press publish is going to stoke the flames even further I and think, it's going to cause headlines.
0: Like, I think she miscalculated the effect of that. I thought she, I think she thought she'd have much more support on her side because it's her personality, uh, Katie McCabe. She's not a shrinking violet at all. Um, there's even a Twitter account called Did Katie McCabe Get a Yellow Card? which everybody I know follows. So she's known for being this feisty character and I think it that sort of plays into it. That's fair enough, But I think yeah. it's backfired tremendously because it looks a bit petulant and silly
3: and I understand Katie wanted to give her point of view as well like uh, she she has every right to but just in in a, in, a, in a certain way maybe that is less public at a World Cup it might be better and also look Vera Powell, there are were all the allegations against Vera Power, none of us know the, the veracity or, or otherwise of those she does deny them all obviously. she does deny yes, them of course, course. but the the, the the fact is like the team are flying home this evening have their homecoming at the very least. She probably, and this point was made in the last couple of days, deserves to be part of the like. This is the first Irish team to go to a World, women's World Cup. Like she deserves to be part of those celebrations well, and whatever happens contract wise after yeah, that. Yeah,
2: are there are there any
0: football reasons why Bierpau shouldn't be given a new contract? I don't think so. I think we're doing the best with what we have. I'd like to see someone come in and be more creative in terms of how they utilise it. Yet. Yeah. It's going it's,
3: it's to be Tom Elms. Like he, he is, he is going to be the next manager when Veer leaves. You'd imagine that. That seems to be the suggestion. Is it? Okay. That, that, well, that, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing from uh, reports that the players love him. There's a bit of continuity there. That uh, obviously going into the Northern Ireland game and all the rest. That there, that would be the, I guess, the next name on the list. Um. So I guess stylistically from Powell that's not much. Change if it is Tom. So he's he's the assistant coach, he's the assistant to Vera at the moment. So like, uh, look, I don't know what the odds are on the next on the next manager, but but certainly the the gauge is that he will be the next coach after Vera Power. Um which 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 would suggest that they do want continuity, they do want the same style of play to to continue forward, and it's worked, it's got them to a World Cup. Uh, but yeah, I you know, I just I wouldn't assume that the assistant manager
2: always does exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, you, fair. You can, yeah. you can always come in and have your own. Uh, Stamping thing. So I, I, you, I, I wasn't. I hadn't heard that.
3: Yeah, I think it was maybe the Irish Independent that read it, and possibly okay. Um, but certainly there have been reports that Tom Elms is the is the favourite candidate, um, popular with the players, that sort of thing. So, I mean, if the if the players have a say in this, certainly Tom Elms' name will be in the mix. You'd imagine, yeah. That's, that is interesting you know uh, it'll make for uh, an interesting podium on Thursday like
2: she absolutely not only deserves to be but this, this it's a great achievement to get to the World Cup and we played well I, I actually thought we were more ambitious uh, on the field than we have been at various stages and we've been relatively unlucky against superior teams mm. uh, and we, we don't we don't score a whole heap of goals so look I don't know I don't know I don't know what everybody expected Um
0: no, and I think a lot of the people who have been complaining maybe about Vera Pao's tactics are watching this team for the first time at this World Cup and well, in fairness, really appreciated. it. Karen Duggan has been com-
2: complaining about sure. it on Koi Gig mm. and uh, now in the Irish Times as well mm. uh, for a long period of time and obviously he knows exactly what she's talking about. Absolutely. But let's wait and see, you know, like let's wait and see if the new manager comes in and suddenly we're playing with uh, Katie and Denise behind a, a striker and it, everybody else, you know, they're given the. we're playing with two tens 10s or two 8s. Let's, let's wait and see exactly what, what comes next because, I don't know, I think, um, to me,
3: it doesn't look like there's huge footballing reasons why you wouldn't be given... Uh, yeah, drew at Nigeria yesterday, you know, and Nigeria, of course, probably brought off their star striker with maybe 20, 25 minutes left. They knew that the Australia game was going a certain way. They already had progression guaranteed but still, clean sheet in the World Cup for Ireland. First point in the World Cup for Ireland. There are massive positives out of yesterday's game, for sure. Denise O'Sullivan was eventually moved in this World Cup to her favourite position of number 10. So um, there's so much to be proud of. It's obviously disappointing from our perspective that we lost to Canada in the way we did, I think, particularly. Yeah, and look,
2: I don't know. I guess I'm wondering, is it that big a deal that the captain says something and the manager says, she said that, I said no. Like Maybe that's all that's happened here. Do you know? Now, because she tweeted afterwards
3: this is definitely a much bigger story yeah, yeah. but maybe
2: you're, have, for you. maybe you're supposed and to you have maybe you're supposed to have I you have
3: more issue with the tweet than the actual in-game conversation yeah the like. in-game thing like largely like oh well, she's tired you know I don't know mm. anyway uh, we should
2: very briefly talk about Ben Healy who was man of the match for Scotland at the weekend mm. uh, Scotland have started their World Cup warm a week ahead of us they're already ahead of us <laughs> they're coming for us the they are worked. coming for us though yeah like final game yeah we, we are going to be
0: their version of the ceiling Ducks and hopefully we smash them the
2: way Kerry smashed Tyrone. But
0: I don't know. I'm kind of worried. Um, I Ben Healy was really, 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 really good against Italy. I was very impressed. Um, his crossfield kick for the opening try for Darcy Graham was on a sixpence. Was it a strong Scotland team? Strong enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of starters in there. Mix of kind of players on the periphery but mostly starters and it was a, pretty strong Italian team so it wasn't a kind of walk over uh, let's let's ease into this warm up um, it was really really excellent quality much more than I was expecting but Ben Healy was really really good and he's going to get a lot of game time at this World Cup I just have a feeling that the way our pool is set up you've got South Africa us and Scotland obviously I think Tonga are going to be the chaos factor in there in terms of how many players from the other three respective teams, come out the other side without any scrapes. Uh, I feel there's going to be quite a few injuries from those across all the teams that are taking on Tonga. Just the way they've set up and the quality of their back line and I feel like Ben Healy will be—he'll be on the bench at the very least for our final game against Scotland on October. He doesn't 9th, start, I believe. He doesn't start. Does he? Like, is like—is there any universe now in which he challenges Finn Russell? Not if no, not if Finn Russell's fully no, fit. No. But
2: uh, yeah. could Finn Russell have a fallout with the coach Finn Russell <laughs> Who could knows? have a fallout with
0: the coach yeah you know, although he will be on
2: home turf uh, for a large portions of it so you would expect maybe all those discomforts. yeah, yeah. alright look we've got to move on 3 minutes past 8 this morning here on OTBAM. if you want to get in touch we'd love to hear from you 0879 180, 180 is the WhatsApp number you can uh, get us on Twitter at OffTheBallAM we're going to take a quick break we're back talking the Kerry side of things with Sean Bono
0: Sullivan next OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from off the ball Yeah, you were
2: listening to a bit of Koi gig there in the ad break we'll talk to Cathy in a little bit later on as well six minutes past eight this morning that's got to Kerry and uh, hear a little bit about how the wake is going Sean bono Sullivan's with us Sean, good morning to you
4: Good morning, George Good morning, Shane How are you, lads?
2: We're okay How are you, on <laughs>
4: We're getting there, Jerry. Yeah, Uh, Tuesday morning after an All Ireland defeat have been there, unfortunately. Um, Actually, do you know the Tuesday morning is probably the worst because yesterday you would have had the distraction of the the homecoming and and um, you know you would have you probably would have had a few beers Sunday night the pain and yesterday and and then you wake up this morning probably. Usually we would have woke up in 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 Killarney somewhere. And that's when it kind of hits you that uh, things just didn't go your way on Sunday. So um, I can feel now for the lads and the management this morning. But look, that's life. That's football. We got to move on. Um, But yes, Sunday will certainly be one that really, really, I think we live to regret. Um, But anyway, on we go. Uh,
2: I was having a conversation with Sheen in the aftermath of the game and he said it felt like the Tyrone games, the Toronto Ireland Finals. I, Mm. I, I actually thought Tyrone were better teams on the day in those All-Irelands, and so were kind of they merited their victory in a way. This one, I'm sure, Kerry definitely feel like they kicked it away, and that they were at least the equal, if not actually better than Dublin. And so, and that's not a knock on Dublin. All my Dublin mm-hmm. friends afterwards, when I was when I was uh, putting this theory, I oh, was shut up, shut up.
0: That's, that's nonsense. <laughs> I was like,
2: um, I, it's, it's actually when you think about it, it's the hallmark of a truly great team to get over this the Line when you're not necessarily the best team in the game, and uh, anyway, what's your take on all that?
4: Yeah, uh, no, the Tyrone games for me would be different too. I think we were just beaten on the day by a, a, a superior outfit. Um, this one is different, and again, absolutely 100% agree, it's no knock on Dublin. You know, they they showed us how to close out a game, that's that's very simply it. And um, I think down here we would have felt that maybe we'd learned how to do that particularly since Jack came back. Um, but I think he even alluded to himself yesterday. I think he was speaking to the media and that maybe we haven't learned how to do it. Um, and if this is another piece of education or another step in this team's process, then so be it a tough one to take. But look, if if, if, if that is the the outcome of this down the tracks, then, then we'll, we'll just grin and bear it. But no, it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling because we didn't do a whole pile wrong. Kerry didn't do a whole pile wrong. It's just Dublin did a few things better. Um, so what did Dublin do better? First of all, their kickouts uh, on both sides. Um, they went after hours and cracked us on numerous occasions. We just couldn't get a handle on on that. man, Cluxton and his relationship with Brian Howard. Did I see somewhere Howard won eight kickouts um, on 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 Sunday? That's 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 crazy. That's 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 unbelievable stuff. To have that relationship between a goalie and a midfielder. How Kerry didn't get to grips with that sooner, I don't know. Second half was better. Second half was definitely better. And, of course, Howard then did so much running. His his calf gave up on him and he had to go off. He was outstanding, I thought. He had a great year, actually, um, and was Dublin's go-to guy in a lot of the championship games when it came to their kick-out. So maybe Kerry just didn't – I won't say they didn't plan for it, but it's certainly something that maybe they look back at and, and, and realise that they were they were beaten in that sector – um and Dublin took their chances. Dublin took their chances. They were they worked their scores better and smarter down the stretch. And uh and we didn't, and we were forcing a little bit. David obviously had an off day, even though he got into positions where you would have expected him to kick scores that he would usually kick, he just had an off day. Um and all that milled together, especially going down into the last ten minutes, caught us. Jack's point, I thought, was excellent in terms of, you know, if if you had if you would say to if you would say to the Kerry management when they were going to bed in their hotel Saturday night that, Kerry would flip the third quarter, this famous third quarter that Dublin are renowned for, and I, I I don't I don't want to use the term in control of the game because I'm not sure either team were ever in control of that game on Sunday, but Kerry found themselves in a very very good place when they were the three points up. Before the mistake, before Gavin White's mistake, unfortunately for him, a great year he had as well. It's just unfortunate for him that a mistake like that happens on the biggest day. But I worried when that goal went in because I thought, here we go. Here's this oxygen that Dublin needed. Here's this oxygen the Hill needed. Uh, Kerry, this this could explode here or implode, should I say. But I thought we reacted very well to go three up again. But I just think that the energy we expended getting back into that three-point lead cost us in the end, cost us going down into that last 10 minutes. And another flip side is when we needed legs then, uh, someone like a Stephen O'Brien who we had started um, wasn't there to come in off the bench to give us that energy. I know we brought in Adrian Splann. I know we brought in Hall Burns. They are not those type of players, Killian Splan as well, who kicked a great score. They aren't those type of players to give you that those legs in the middle. Reno Big League came on, maybe a little bit too late for me. I felt he might have been a guy who maybe should have come on when McCaffrey came on and go on McCaffrey to curb his influence. But look, these are all little things that you look at after. It's 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 when you're in the heat of it and, and the middle of it that those decisions need to be made. Um but look, at the end of the day. Dublin showed us how to close out a game and close it out brilliantly as they always do.
2: Yeah, that's the difficulty is that you like when there's a period against a great team like Dublin and you do get into your three point lead, you have to drown them because you know they're gonna come back. Um in terms of the kick out, what like what could they do differently? Uh let let's start with their own kick out. What what could Kerry do differently next time?
4: Um in terms of our own kick out, I just felt that look, and 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 again, it's easy to say because you you just you you know when you're out in the middle of it, you don't. The opposition are obviously coming with some tactic. I just think that we we lacked that little bit of bravery, we lacked that little bit of movement, particularly out to the flanks. I mean, Shane Ryan had to go long down the middle quite often when Dublin put the press on. But I mean, if you're if you're if, if a team are pressing you. The last place you want that ball put up for grabs is 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 out around the middle, where if it's broken back, which it was on numerous occasions by Dublin, you know you're right down the center of Kerry's defense there and i I felt there could have been a little bit more lateral running out to the flanks from midfield, even if mid if half backs got out of there and created little pockets for our half forwards to come down into. You know, little things like that. But again, it's 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 very easy to say that when it's the heat of an all Ireland final, and, and I mean you have to give cool-ups to Dublin. They really went after it. The other side, I felt Dublin used the cluster kick out quite a bit. I thought they, they used it an awful lot, and Kerry seemed to be going man to man in a cluster kick out, which is very, very difficult to do, Jar, because if you're if you're in a cluster kick out or a bunched kick out, And you're trying to find your men. There's movement in there by the Dublin players. They're all bunched together, but they're still moving, little intricate movements. And Kerry are all of a sudden trying to find, well, where's my man? And it's very, very difficult to communicate that in a split second. All of a sudden, a Howard, mainly, or someone else is broken out of the pack, out for a simple pop uh, to a pocket from Cluxton and Dublin are on the move down the field. And Kerry are still looking around, maybe looking for their men. So I felt that maybe forming a a zone around the zone or a zone around the bunch might have been better for Kerry. They might have got to the, the outlet of the kick out a bit quicker, which obviously, look, was Howard quite a bit. Not always him, but it was him quite a bit. So, look, again, these are things that Dublin or Kerry will learn from. Um, I know Darren was talking to, to Joe yesterday evening and made a good point that these are all things that the Kerry lads will look back at. Unfortunately, with the new system, they have quite a bit of time now to look back at this stuff. But... These are all little bits and pieces that they'll learn from Ger and our age profile is good. We're young, Bar bar Gainey, Paul Murphy and Stephen O'Brien. We're all under the 30 mark. So it's it's an education for these young lads, a tough one to take, but a good education at the same time.
3: Is the spread of scorers, Sean, or lack of spread of scorers a concern? I know Sean Kavanagh brought that uh, issue up. I think it was maybe five different scorers. For Kerry, I think it may be eight for Dublin, which doesn't seem like a big difference. But usually, you have the likes of Gavin White and Thomas Sullivan, Jim O'Connor yeah. chipping in with a point or two, and that just didn't happen at the weekend.
4: No, great point, Shane. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was lying awake last night uh, thinking about that, amongst other amongst other <laughs> things. But it just not enough, not enough. And 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 you see, this is the thing. Look, I've been in management rooms. Um, when you're thinking about starting a player or not starting a player or holding a player back or saying, no, geez, you know, he's fresh. Let's go with him. Stephen O'Brien is the case in point that I'm talking about. Like this, Stephen started because we're not getting the, we're not getting the spread of scores. And, and we would have hoped been hoping Stephen could have chipped in with a few from half forward. Stephen hadn't a bad game. I just want to make that very, very clear. He did not have a bad game. He got on plenty ball. He worked hard, got a few turnovers in the first half in particular. But we just didn't get the scores again from those areas where we needed. And look, everyone was talking about David going into the game that he was going to need help. I think we got one nine outside of David from Paul, from Pawdy, from Shawnee. Um, but still not enough in an all Ireland final. We knew we knew that probably one fifteen, one sixteen, one seventeen was probably gonna win the game. And we just didn't get there. We needed that as extra two, three, four points from somewhere else. I know Tom Sullivan had a shot late on. It was a tired kick. Mm. I can't even remember Diarmuid O'Connor getting in for a scoring chance. Stephen himself, I don't think, got a shot off. Paul Ganey will look back and Paul played well. Um, but that first goal chance was, oh, that was crucial. That was crucial. If that hits the back of the net, that's a great start for Kerry. I know he did he had a chance where he got inside um Davy Byrne was it and clipped one off the post, went wide. So look, all these things added up to, to to things that we we needed. But at the same time, Shane, you've clipped that around. And I know you say Dublin had eight different scorers, but Dublin missed chances too. Do you know mm. what I mean? Paul Mannion, Con rattled the crossbar, he nearly broke the goals down in front of the hill. Um Brian Howard had a poor attempt early early doors off his left. I've never seen him kick a shot off his left before. You know the things fellas doing in All Ireland final um, when the pressure's on. So look, we we can talk all day about Kerry missing their chances, but Dublin had their had had their chances too. So there's no excuses there. And I was listening to you earlier on, Joe, before I came on. The the top thing about this is the Kerry defence played so well. Yeah, they played so so well. Um, turnovers, tackling, you know, putting the Dubs under pressure. People talk about Fitzsimons and the great game he had, putting David under pressure. Not for all his kicks, now I have to say. I, I you know, I think maybe a lot of people are looking at that through through maybe blue tinted glasses. I mean, Fitzsimons had a great season. He had a great game. He curbed David's influence, but he wasn't on on the, you know, he wasn't down at his foot for every kick. I know David will be be disappointed with some of the shots. Um, his radar just wasn't in. But you know, the Kerry players were really, really putting the Dubs under pressure when they were kicking. So. You know, our defence, no problems. But uh, unfortunately, it was just up up the other side of the field. We we just didn't put them to bed, you know.
2: The point you make about the age profile is really well made. And there's been a lot of talk and part of it's gossip. Some of it's very well informed about how many dubs are going to step away. Is your understanding that the three lads you've mentioned will be around and available next year? Because it feels like if Kerry are going to get over the line, they're going to need everybody to have a role. Maybe not a starting role, but certainly to be able to influence things set the tone of training, be an impact sub. Do you think those three are going to stick around?
4: I'd hope so, Ger, because, I mean, look look what got Dublin over the line. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's that, that answers your question. You know, the guys that came back for Dublin are, okay, they went to Wayne, came back, was experience. And 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 look, I can only imagine what Luxton McCaffrey, Mannion brought to that whole Dublin setup up outside of their playing um capability outside of their, their ability as footballers, what they brought to the dressing room. So if that Perry team, because of their age profile, were to lose a, Gainey, a Paul Murphy, a Stephen O'Brien, two of them, all three of them, um, that's a real dent to the dressing room in terms of what they bring in in, in terms of um of, of experience. So I'd be hoping they stick around. Is there anything to say that they wouldn't? I thought Paul Murphy had an excellent game. Like he was very unlucky with the block on the goal. Early on, he got some great turnovers. He's still as fit as ever. He was one of the most consistent performers down here in county championship and club championship football last year. Can't see Paul walking away from it. Stephen O'Brien still has a lot to offer, considering that he had really no football at all played this year with his injury. So depending on how the body is, I would expect him to stick around. I suppose Paul Ganey is the one. He's the oldest Um did he have a poor game on Sunday? No. Would he look back and say he should have put away a few other chances? Possibly. So is there unfinished business for him? I'd like to think so. So out of those three, I, I can't see them stepping away, and I would hope not, Um because we need, we need everybody. What we also need, though, Joe, is we need to go and find, and again, going back to Darren, I thought he himself and Colin were excellent yesterday with Joe. We need a little bit more depth. Um, And it's the one thing that I I was disappointed with and I know a lot of people in Kerry would have been disappointed with this year is that we just didn't find a little bit more depth for the bench. Um, I said it all year. Dublin had the strongest bench in the country. I think I was proved right. Um, How do Kerry go and find that? They are out there. Are they a bit young yet? I think so. I I, I saw them up close and personal with the under 20s for two years. There's still a little bit of development to go and a lot of players. But I think we need to maybe look now at possibly throwing a few of them into the league at the start of next year because we just need to find a few fresh faces. We need legs. Um, but look, that's for Jack and the management to go go and look at club and championship football now. It's starting next weekend, believe it or not. So that's uh, that's that's another story.
3: Is the bench that 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 point has been made uh, both in advance and in the wake of the match, Sean? That that you know, obviously Dublin's bench is so much stronger than Kerry's, and the strength and depth is a massive thing. But like, yeah. If you, if you actually look at it, so Breno Buglia comes on, possibly in some people's books could have even started ahead of Paul Murphy maybe in that game. Adrian Spillane comes on, Killian Spillane comes on and scores a lovely point. Um, Mihal Burns, I mean, that block by Burns late on, you know, if Kerry go on to win that game, could have been a, a historic and famous all-out in final moment. Like, And then of course Tony Brosnan's obviously unlucky to, to miss out through injury. So is the depth that big a concern in Kerry?
4: Uh, I, it is, it is, uh, Shane, because all the players you mentioned there, um, okay, Big Leo obviously started on last year's team. So mm. so yeah, he made a, he made you could make a case that he could possibly get in there. But n- none of those players um, have really, for me, um, had massive impacts when they're coming into games, mm. particularly from the scoring perspective. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that at the end of the day, from a forwards perspective, scoring perspective, and talking as an ex-forward, you have to be coming in making an impact on the scoreboard for me. And and it's it's something that's not I think somebody sent me, look <laughs> the postmortems have been flying obviously since Sunday. There's screenshots and there's fellas doing stats on A4 pieces of paper and everything. But somebody did send me something about our scoring impact all this year from our half forward line and our subs. And it's it's just been nowhere near um Good enough in terms of game changers game changers and another concern for me would be our um our midfield replacements like we brought mike green on there on sunday from beaufort mike is naturally a half back center back he was brought on midfield mm. okay for four legs for legs because we were lacking them coming down the last 10 minutes and mike does have a good burst of pace and he can get up and down the field But that's a concern as well, you know, around the middle area there, the real engine room of the team. We don't seem to, after Diarmuid and Jack, what do we have to come in there? Adrian Spillane can come in there sometimes, but he predominantly comes on or starts on the half-forward line. So for me, I think the the, the lack of of scoring power off the bench, having depth in those areas, Shane, is the concern. We seem to be okay defence-wise. We seem to have good cover there. And and more to come, I would expect, from, from under 20 teams over the last few years. But it's up the other side of the field and in the middle of the pitch that I think people's concern is when they talk about depth and impact from, from the bench. Um,
2: So in terms of midfield, right, is there a delegation en route to Australia to ask Mark O'Connor to <laughs> hasten his return? <laughs> like, I'm not joking. The type yeah. of thing, you know, yeah. uh, you would definitely be making the call, wouldn't you?
4: yeah yeah it's again talking about the post mortems his name was mentioned yeah his name was mentioned a couple of times sure he's 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 natural a natural guy to come in there um look for me i i don't know what answer your question the guy is really really settled in in Geelong, isn't it he's he's flying he's what was he part of an all irish was there a was there a picture of the the all irish half back line there the other day or something or half forward line himself too he and And Mullins, so I can't see that man. But yeah, it's 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 something that if if there was even a chink of light in it, would you do it? Um, I'll go if they want me to. No problem. I can I can go. (laughs) Who's your reporter down there at the moment? Kathleen McNamee is. Yeah, we've got to call in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So look, yeah, it's it's Sherlock. He's he's a ready-made midfielder, like you know, um, and and was was the best underage midfielder that we produced out of those. Minor teams and under 20 teams or 21 teams before he took off down under. So, But look, it's, it's pine-the-sky stuff at the moment, Joe, because it's it's just... He's obviously under contract and so on and so forth. So it's just post-mortem talk at the moment, I'm yeah. afraid.
2: Yeah, OK, because was strong rumour was that he was um, certainly close or interested in coming back and that could be tantalising for a number of years and it might never happen. Stefan O'Cumber obviously has come back but has just been blighted by injury. Uh, but certainly... I think he started his first game at cornerback and then his second game was midfield and then he got injured. So they're obviously looking at him as a potential midfielder down the line as well. So, like, at least in the darkness that you're going through at the moment, there is some bright spark about, like, next year will be slightly different. There will be a bit more depth.
4: Oh, yeah, Joran. Not just next year. This Kerry team are this Kerry team are here to stay. This Kerry team are going to be around. <laughs> Don't believe me. There's there's listen, we're down today. We're down and we're very down and we'll be down for a while and those players will. But this Kerry team are going nowhere. They're 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 a team absolutely full of fantastic players and they've a good management team and they will be back. They will learn and they've learned harsh lessons from Sunday and really, really tough lessons. But there's a good crop of players coming. They need development, as I said mix them in. I think Jack referred to always trying to find one or two guys and mix them into the current group and yeah, you will lose players. I'm hoping we won't but yeah, you could possibly but no, no, they, yeah but we're, there's a bit of doom and gloom but no, no, this Kerry team aren't going anywhere. They they lost out to a, a fantastic Dublin side who know who knew and had the experience to close out a really, really big game. Kerry just need to learn that and they will. I'm sure they will. You
3: excuse my ignorance on this, Sean. You, you talk about the, the lack of Scoring power off the bench. I remember earlier in the year and after the, certainly the Armagh game in the league and Jack O'Connor was full of praise for for a couple of the. So Donald Dino Sullivan was one name that we mentioned of uh, you know an inside forward who was shooting the lights out in the club game. Played really well in the, in a league league game or two for Kerry. Uh, Dara Roach as well from, from Glenflesk was another player that was kind of come to the fore. Like, is there a reason why these lads aren't? I guess in a consideration at this stage of the championship, when when, when when as you say, that's exactly what you need off the bench.
4: Yeah, look, if, if, if I'm a Donald Downs and I'm a player who has, uh, you know, playing for Kerry, and obviously in, in, in his, on his radar, of course I'd be asking the hard questions of Jack. Maybe not this week, but I'd sit down with him and say, well, look, Hylian Spillane, who obviously has that experience of playing in bigger games mm-hmm. for Kerry, got on the other day ahead of me. You know, what, what, where, where's my role in this panel? You know, am I going to get time in the league? I know he got a few games last year. Is he going to get a better run this time round? Dara Roach was a different one. He he got injured. <clears throat> Excuse me. He he um, he damaged his wrist, and for whatever reason, didn't get back in. Um, but he's back playing club football again. I know he went to the states, but he's back playing club football again. So he's a guy that might um, pop his head up again at the start of the league next year. So definitely, like you know, these guys have to ask questions of the management, and and that's what the management are there for, Shane. Um, you know, why Why didn't I get a chance here or a chance there? Certainly, um, it's questions they need to ask. But they they are there as well, without a doubt, yeah. Um, will we see more of them in the league come 2024? You'd like to think so. We'll have to wait and see.
3: Can Kerry use this pain, Sean? Because you think when you, you when you lose a final to your great rivals, like Kerry lost to Toronto in 05 and 08, but the following year went on to, to win the All-Ireland. So is that something that you, you I guess, utilise in that winter of pain?
4: Yeah, you have to. You have to, yeah. You have to. And like the thing is, look, you'll... you'll, Obviously, this week is going to be long now and they'll stick together. Um, And I hope they stick together. They will. They're a good bunch. Um, But you'll be back in the club next week, you know, um, and you'll park Kerry for a good bit. You know, you will. You really will. It'll be there in the back of your mind, but you'll all of a sudden you'll park it because you'll have your you have your club championship coming up and then you have the county championship after that. And and before you know it, you're 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 at Christmas time. And yes, that's then when the phone calls will start about, okay, we're ready to go again. So but of course you lose it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Dan David in his speech in Killarney yesterday evening was already mentioning next year. Now look, is that something a captain has to stand up and say to the public? Of course it is. But deep down those lads will be will be, you know, ready to go again when 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 the time comes. But for now, this week they just need to try and forget about it, enjoy themselves. They've had a very very good year, a very very good year, Um, just couldn't get over the final hurdle. And um, some outstanding individual performances all season. You're probably they're probably going to end up with five six all stars, I would think, possibly a player of the year as well. Um, so they didn't do a, as I said at the start of the call they didn't do a whole pile wrong all year they didn't do a whole pile wrong on Sunday it's just on Sunday Dublin did a, li- a few things better that Kerry need to learn from and bounce back next year
2: Sean we leave it there good stuff thanks a million thanks lads we're sorry for your trouble <laughs>
4: it's half eight this
2: morning here on OTBAM AM a sports breakfast show from off the ball we're with you every weekday morning between 7.30 and 10 and we're going to Australia Cathy McNamee good morning to you how are you
5: Good morning, guys. Doing all right? How are
2: we all? So the front pages of all of our newspapers uh, are—it's basically the photograph of Katie McCabe over talking to Vera Pau. And um, I'm wondering, uh, have you have you been? Are, are all the team functions finished now? They're on their way home, or has there been anything extra that has happened since the press conference yesterday, where Vera explained what had happened?
5: Um, So there's been nothing extra beyond social media from the players. Uh, Katie McCabe obviously posting the emoji of the zipped face. And then Denise O'Sullivan also tweeted mentioning um, distractions off the pitch. Uh, So those are the only things that happened. But the team are heading back this evening, possibly on my flight. I'm not entirely sure. They're either on the one just before me or the same one. And um, yeah, there won't be anything then again until the homecoming on Thursday in Dublin.
2: And do we expect the homecoming to be... um... That, that have made peace by then? Or do we think that there's going to be like a fist fight on the stage?
5: Well, we were discussing this with a couple of the journalists that are over here last night, once we kind of all finished our duties for the evening. Like, could you imagine going back to the team hotel, even with these people for the guts of two months, you've lived in each other's pockets. You have Vera Powell going into a press conference, mentioning that Katie McCabe wanted Sinead Farrelly off the pitch. And Everyone is just wrecked and kind of just probably wanted to unwind a little bit what the sort of atmosphere is going to be in the room during that. So um, I imagine by the time Thursday rolls around, they will all have been instructed to slap on a smile and all look jovial and friendly. But yeah, it's certainly not the story that we wanted to be talking about whenever we finished our World Cup.
2: Um I'm definitely in two minds about this, whether or not it's a big deal or not. It's hard to tell, right? Like, it's only a big deal if it continues on. If they've sorted it out and they both come out and say, yeah, look, we were, you know, exactly to that point. We've been living in each other's pockets for two months. We had enough of each other. We've we've talked it out and now we're grand. Uh, or it's like, well, you overstepped your mark. You threw me under the bus. I can never forgive you type thing. Either of these outcomes mm-hmm. and everything in between are on the table for us here.
5: Yeah, well, see, the thing is, like, I didn't think the initial incident was that big a deal. You know, Katie and Vera have said quite a few times that they've come to blows over like what the right thing is to do for the team. And they both have very like strong feelings on that. But also they respect each other. And, you know, whenever they have these disagreements, it's just because they care about the team. I think that was all fine. Katie McCabe obviously doesn't have the power to tell Vera when to make substitutes. But sometimes players shout at managers and ask for certain things. That's not all that strange. It was the follow-up from Vera where she specifically name-dropped a player saying that that was a player that Katie wanted off, which puts a certain focus on it rather than just laughing it off, giving a straight statement and being like, look, heat of the moment, it's fine, I don't care. That would have made it totally different. Then by her naming a player and then by Katie tweeting what she did, it just added fuel to this fire. So it could be a case that they come out in a couple of days and they say, look, heat of the moment sort of stuff, it's all fine, water under the bridge. But... I don't know, after I saw the Denise O'Sullivan tweet talking about distractions off the pitch as well, I was like, this seems like it's going a little bit deeper in the team because the only distractions off the pitch that we had were kind of related to Vera. So what what is she trying to say?
2: Well, we did also have the Columbia thing, which might have been a distraction for her where she was rushed to hospital and was crying in the hospital, worried about her participation in the World Cup. So that's potentially one of the things she was referring to there. However... I suspect that they're talking about um, being asked about Vera's time in America, which predates her time in Ireland, and uh, on the eve of the World Cup, not being asked about the World Cup. So, uh, just need to, you know. The other thing is, Denise Sullivan was very uh, honest in her uh, post-match assessment after the game. I played well, but I didn't play well in the first two games. And, like, that's true. You know, she has been disappointing Mm -hmm. in this World Cup.
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I've said this several times when I've been on with you guys that, you know, most of the time you come off watching a match and she is one of the players that you're picking out as having performed well. And she didn't those first two games. I mean, she still performed well, but not the levels of Denise Sullivan that we expect. And I think what you saw last night was that she was playing in a role that much more suited her, a role that she much preferred, a role that allowed her to get on the ball and in those attacking positions more. And she was delighted with herself when we were talking to her about it. You know, she couldn't have been more happy. And we have been kind of speculating throughout the World Cup, like, oh, maybe she's still carrying a bit of a knock from that Columbia game. Maybe she's just not like confident or hasn't hit her stride, whatever it might be. But it seems like maybe she just wasn't playing in the right position to actually give herself the chance to be the Denise O'Sullivan that we all know and love when it comes to her football.
2: And had she not played in the same position across the qualifying campaign when she was a standout performer for us though?
5: Uh, No, she had, but she was also able to get a lot higher forward more of the time. So she had been swapped into that more attacking role than the defensive midfield role, which she like was for most of this uh, tournament.
3: Just for context, Kathleen, just on that press conference, because I didn't see the press conference in its entirety, when Vera everyone's saying you know Vera Powers named the player, uh Sinead Farley. So what she what she said was everybody was doing so well. Was everybody wanting to take the best player off? Like did did she actually name check Sinead Farley or 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 is the uh, I guess assumption that she was talking about Sinead Farley? No,
5: Sinead Farley
3: was name checked completely. Okay. Well, she asked <laughs> no like, one was... was was
2: it a question who was who did Katie want taken off, or was it like unprompted
5: it, no, it was more, uh, I think at some stage she was asked to elaborate a little bit more on what she meant whenever she said about the best player. No one wants to take off the best player. She was asked to elaborate on that a little bit more because everyone was like, well, who are you counting that as? You know, it could have been several players on the night. Um, and then that's when she said it. Right, I mean, so- it was it was her choice to specifically say one player. Yeah, but
2: she's asked the say. question. She has to answer it or like she doesn't have to answer but- it. She could lie. But we do know she, she always answers questions. <laughs>
5: Yeah, but I also don't think you say in a press conference in that way without putting one of your player or you're selling out one of your players by going, she wanted the best player on the pitch off, because then you're questioning, well, why does she want the best player on the pitch off? Who is the best player on the pitch? Is that like, is there a tactical reasoning behind it? Like maybe because that's one of the things that we've talked a lot about with Katie in this tournament is who's the person that's dropping in behind her whenever she goes up forward and Sinead Farley was doing a lot of that last night so maybe that was the reason why but like it just it was at best poorly worded and unthought out way of talking about it I think
2: Um, and like how much responsibility is Katie McKay bear- so this is the other thing is like so captains obviously can say what the hell they want right and it's up to the manager to take on board but equally like can they say what they want? I don't know. Get, get Sinead Farrelly off. I'm like, no. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean?
5: Yeah. Well, but see, that's the thing. We don't actually... So, we were told someone we knew was sitting behind the goal and what they heard Katie say was, "I we should we need fresh legs. And that's apparently what she was shouting at Vera consistently. Now, she might have said something about Farrelly. I don't know. But... Uh, It's, we don't know exactly what was said one way or the other, and that's a really hard thing. Like, I'm just basing it off what I've been told and what I know. I think, like, a player can shout at the bench and be like, we need fresh legs. I don't think that's that big of a deal. The manager's either going to be like, keep running or, you know, fair enough, maybe we do. But... Like if she, I don't know if Katie's going to be standing on the side of the pitch when Sinead Farley is probably like a couple of meters away from her, screaming like "Get her off" as well. Like that doesn't really make sense in my mind, considering how she was playing at the time.
2: Yeah, although I don't think Vera Powell's is making up um, that she she meant Sinead Farley either. So maybe maybe they'll have to come out and uh, confirm this. I don't know. I wonder, you know, Penny for Sinead Farley's thoughts in all this. Not not feeling particularly backed either by captain or manager.
5: Yeah, well, it's funny because, like, Tony O'Donoghue on RT asked Katie, before this all happened, before the press conference happened, very innocent question about Sinead Farrelly playing the 90 minutes, and Katie said it was great. She was asked the same question by the um, newspaper journalists again, before the press conference happened, gave similar answers about it being great and the fact that she's come through so much and it was brilliant to see her get the 90 minutes. So it's just kind of funny that in all of this, that was some of the questions she was asked when... This was all, the storm was all brewing like about 10, 15 minutes later whenever the press conference started.
3: I, I was thinking during the game itself I was like I know Pau doesn't rush to make substitutions, but that this all happens and kicks off if you want to use that phrase on 70 minutes. I think it's the 83 minutes then when she so she takes Shiva and Larkin on for Liliag and Heather mm-hmm. Payne so it's it's even at that stage 15, 13 minutes later it's not Farley who's, <laughs> who's never consideration I'm not saying that's stubbornness on Vera Pau's behalf but like the subs certainly were slow to come
5: Yeah I know they were and this is something that we talked about last night on the Koi Gig podcast in the sense that we probably complained a lot against Canada that the substitutes came far too early whereas it felt like yesterday they came far too late to actually make any sort of impact on the game we probably did need that change not saying necessarily we need the fresh legs, but I think we did need a little bit of a change up around that 17-minute mark to give us a bit of a chance. Because compared to the other two games where those last like 10-15 minutes, there was a clear like urgency from the team in terms of heading for goal and trying to get that win. We didn't really have that in the same way. And I feel like if we had made some of those changes a little bit earlier, we possibly would have built up that momentum. But again, I'm also not paid to be the Irish manager. so.
3: I can almost I can understand why I know people are almost splitting into two camps here. It's not quite at the level of Saipan. but like I can almost understand where Vierpauer is coming from in that she is asked the question. She, as you say, she's going to answer the questions because she generally does. Um, and Katie, like I agree with you, I think Katie has every right as captain to to suggest something to a manager, maybe in a respectful way, go over and have a a, a little one on one chat. Suggest maybe she she Farley could come off if if she feels she's getting tired. That's fair enough but it's it's the social media stuff and it's the it's the carrying on of it I think that that maybe players could could stand up and maybe realize this is going to uh, cause this to to stretch even further.
5: Oh yeah, like whatever she meant by the tweet it just totally added petrol to this whole sort of situation. It probably would have been like a talking point and a discussion point but I don't know would it have been the same level of i mean like i was on the show last night with gavin cooney and uh, joe and like i think we spent about 40 minutes talking about it but like that wouldn't have happened probably without that tweet so it definitely was a rash thing to do in the moment and i like i saw it and i was like that's gonna be deleted so i'm gonna take a screenshot <laughs> of it just to make sure i'm not going mad for lack of sleep but it was still up hours later and I was like, well, does it also make it worse? And if you do post it and it's too late and you delete it, then you kind of saying quite obviously that something has gone wrong. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just so annoying. Like, it just feels like every step of this World Cup. We, you know, we should be sitting here today, this morning, reflecting on our tournament, working out how well or it went or it didn't go thinking about House contract in like a footballing context and instead it's like once again we finished something momentous we finished something historic and there's some sort of rumbling on scandal or some sort of clarity that needs to come from the team and it just seems like it's been so consistent over the last like basically since we qualified in Scotland like it, there's just always been something else to talk about rather than the football
3: that's the that's the point like the, the this team Just yesterday, Drew with Nigeria. Courtney Brosnan makes a Gordon Banks-esque save, which which we should be talking about. And yet it's all hidden because of a petty, stupid, little minor thing that, that, I don't know, it feels like it didn't have to be public.
5: No, it definitely didn't. And I think that, like, maybe with hindsight, they'll be able to say that this is just all heat of the moment sort of stuff. They've had a conversation. It's all fine. But also... It's partly fueled as well by the fact that Vera's contract situation is so up in the air. And as a result of that, we're asking the players, well, do you want Vera to stay on? And then we're looking for their reactions to these sort of things. So it, It's just a jumble of stuff that's all coming to the head at once. And a lot of this could have been cleared up and dealt with a long time ago. And we would have less of an issue now just after like the day after we finished our first ever World Cup.
2: Yeah, well... I guess the FAI are trying to play it both ways. They wanted to see what was going to happen at the World Cup and if Fira had a sensational World Cup then it would have been inevitable that she would have had to get a new contract. I think what's happened is that uh, they haven't had conclusive evidence one way or another. We've had a better World Cup that you would expect in a group where there are two teams ranked as high above us as them and it turned out Nigeria might have been the most exciting team in the group. Um, So... Uh, maybe we have underperformed, maybe we've overperformed. I guess we, we won't know until a new manager comes in and has the same group of mm-hmm. players and either uh, qualifies us playing a swashbuckling style of football where Denise Sullivan and Katie McCabe are free to rampage. You know, I, it'll be very interesting to see mm-hmm. if anybody can find a way to make that happen. I think maybe there's yeah, a... Yeah, well, there's... You know.
5: This is the thing. Like, I don't know. You guys might have a better sense of it being on the ground at home in Ireland, but I know like, I'm getting loads of messages from people giving off about the fact that I'm trying to like kick Vera to the curb and how she's done great things like qualifying us for the World Cup and that like, we probably did perform to about the standard that we could in the matches that we played. And like, this is what I was trying to make clear last night is that when I was saying I was uncertain about Vera, it wasn't so much the footballing issues it was all the stuff around it that i was like i think a clean slate is probably needed now going into the next tournament if that's possible and if there's someone there that can step into the role but like footballing wise i think you can look at this tournament and you would be totally fair to give vera a new contract for the next like campaign i think she wants to go to the euros that's the general contract length um I don't think that would be totally out of the question or all that surprising considering what she has done with this team.
3: I don't think I'm jumping the gun by, by talking about this because they, they, I'd be shocked at this stage if Vera Poe signs a new contract personally, but uh, David Kelly's writing in the Irish Independent uh, today, Kathleen say, me- mentioning Tom Elms' name as someone who's very popular with the players. and It's, ju- it's just a passing paragraph, to be fair, in his piece, but popular with the players, I guess, will be continuity as well. like. Are their names being thrown around the mix already? I I know they haven't even had their homecoming yet, so it, it is a bit premature. But like, would Tom Elms be be someone that would be a popular choice?
5: Uh, I th- I think he would be a popular choice. I mean, we actually did a really good episode of the Koi Gig podcast with them back when we first started. Really, really interesting guy. Really, folk he worked with the under sixteen team before he came into the Irish setup full time after we qualified for the World Cup and one of those people who within the Irish football setup is very like focused on what they're doing on the pitch but also what they're doing off it so you know he helps has helped set up structures to make sure that girls even if they're going through elite systems are still getting like degrees or getting something that's going to sustain them for the rest of their career because as we know in women's football in particular there aren't a lot of pathways to go and make like major money you're probably going to need a job at some stage of your life He is very popular. I mean, he's the one whenever a player is going on the pitch to substitute, he's the one down there giving them their kind of final words of advice. Um he he's a name that I've suggested to a few people to just see reactions, and I haven't gotten all that much back from it. Um I've also heard Eileen Gleason's name mentioned in there, and I know for like she is someone who for a long time has wanted to be in that coaching setup, and is obviously now working within the FAI in um, her women's football role. There's also been some talk of getting someone in from England, but I feel like that would be a little bit more difficult because you would probably have to sell the project a little bit more. But I mean, it is an exciting time coming in. Just qualified first World Cup, Euros possibly down the line. A couple of our younger players going into the WSL. You know, I I don't think it's an entirely horrendous project for someone to take on.
2: Is it not a brilliant job? So why why would you have to sell it?
5: Well, I just think in terms of some of the names that are being mentioned are probably like lower league WSL teams, possibly, or like upper level championship. And I don't know... Eh, like taking on an international job is a very specific thing and some of the names are a little bit younger than i would have expected and sometimes that can be a harder sell for a younger manager i think um especially in, on the women's side of things and there is also the side of it that like i don't know would you want someone coming in who is going to commit completely to all levels of the game in ireland so that we can make sure that we're you know growing everything from the ground up and not Get into a stage where we're kind of just like focused on one element of it and not having a track of people coming through the other so side I suppose
2: that's definitely the FAI I, I, I and I, I would agree with you 100 percent the best thing for them to do is to find somebody who understands our system and is, is committed to to growing it like that's long term exactly what we should be doing but I, I surely it's a very attractive job or have events over the last couple of months soured potential candidates from
5: the UK? No I don't think it's like that the events over the last while has soured candidates from the UK it's just from having general discussions um it I get a sense that from some people they think it might be like something that you need to work a little bit harder on than maybe getting someone from Ireland who is more involved in the setup for a longer time but I don't think it's necessarily like a bad convincing it's like more uh we just have to explain our project maybe that's a better way of putting that. yeah
2: yeah okay fair enough um i guess then we don't want those people we want someone to be enthusiastic about it (laughs) like you know Well,
5: you don't like i mean having to explain a project doesn't necessarily mean that someone's not going to come in and be entirely enthusiastic and absolutely love the team and i mean like vera probably had to be convinced to come on board with the irish squad initially and when you look at her attitude when she first came in compared to like a couple of months and a couple of years down the line in terms of how much she fell in love with the team and fell in love with Ireland and the way she talked about it. It's not unusual to expect that from someone who's coming from the outside in, I suppose.
2: Fair enough. John Breen on Twitter says, Rishi Littlejohn was our player of the tournament. Who was our player of the tournament, do you think?
5: Um, I don't think he's far off saying it, it could be risha I mean, it has to be Katie, like, realistically, mm-hmm. in terms of the performances that she put in. But I think in terms of, a player that you wouldn't have expected to perform to the standard she did. Rucha 100% was incredible in every game she played. Chickley last night, I thought, when a lot of other players were missing passes, she was in there every single moment clearing up for people, making really, really good tackles, really good awareness, um, really, really commanding in that midfield when we needed her to be with Denise pushing up that little bit higher. So... Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with her during this tournament and I have to hold my hands up because I was one of the people that was saying I don't I didn't know how fit she was going to be for this tournament or how she was going to perform considering the fact she didn't play for a club for the last couple of weeks of the season. But uh, it seems the rest did her the world of good because she's had a really great tournament.
3: Courtney, Courtney Brosnan, Brosnan as well.
5: As yeah, well. sorry, go on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. Which <Coach Wood. laughs> From the other side of the world. Um, yeah, Courtney as well, definitely. I mean, player of the match last night. It was actually a really nice moment whenever... It was announced it was after the game ended, which is kind of unusual. And the team were having their huddle and beer with Katie were giving their speeches and it was announced over the PA and everyone just kind of started jumping on top of Courtney and spraying her water bottles. And I suppose we haven't had a lot of opportunities to get really excited and celebrate because we've only had that one goal. So it was nice that that was kind of the final moment that the team had together on the pitch before leaving. Uh,
2: Is this your final dispatch?
5: It is my final dispatch. I was saying to Cameron before I came on, I'm glad you can't see my room currently because I am trying to put three weeks of clothes and some that severely need a wash after the three weeks uh, in my bag since I'm flying out tonight. So it's about what time is it? Six o'clock here and I fly at ten to three AM. So hours, yeah.
2: Ten to three AM. Oh my god. Not not the nicest time to be flying. But at least you can sleep and sleep and sleep and then come back refreshed.
5: Yeah. Exactly, I arrive in Dublin I think at eight AM Wednesday night, so it's not too bad. If anyone wants to organise me, you know, a big homecoming, all my fans want to you know, converge on the airport. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there there is a funny possibility that I am on the team uh, plane, which would be kind of hilarious coming well, into Dublin. I think at that stage, I would just be like hood up, trying to like get no, out. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is the greatest
2: reporting opportunity of all time. Pay for the Wi-Fi <laughs> and, and live tweet the interactions. That's exactly what should happen. Yeah.
5: <laughs> That has been the running joke. If you just imagine the the feeling in the airplane, you'd be coming all the way down from business class to my economy seat. So You'd just be like, "Oh, can I just go through those curtains there? I just want to track something really quickly."
2: Kathleen, <laughs> uh, you were our player of the tournament, one hundred percent. Great work, great World <laughs> Cup. Congratulations, well done. Safe home. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, guys. Well done, Kathleen.
3: Well done. Thanks a million. Do you say to someone is you know like what's the Australian version? Good day, am yet, Is it is that is that hello or goodbye or both? I think is it like adios? Like ciao, ciao. Sorry, yeah. yeah.
2: 8.54 this morning here on uh, OTB AM. and uh, we'd love to hear from you 87 is a WhatsApp number if you want to get in touch or of course you can always get us uh, on youtube.com forward slash off the ball Lindsay Davey is with us Lindsay good morning to you how are you? Good
1: morning how's it going guys?
2: Um, the dublin Kerry rivalry has never been a rivalry in the women's football final before and uh, it's upon us so was this what everyone expected at the start of the season do you think?
1: Um, maybe not at the start of the season. I think with Dublin, um, like I think the changes that they've had within the squad this year, um, I think even Mick said himself at the beginning of the year, if you said that they're going to be in an All-Ireland final, maybe not. Um, but I think what's impressive has been just their performance throughout the season. I feel like every game they're kind of learning and getting better. And look, Kerry came off the back of an All-Ireland final last year, league champions this year. And, you know, they're, for me, I think they're the team to beat. Um, but look, Dublin, Kerry in years gone by, they've always brought out the best of each other, especially in the men's um, and I think we're yeah, in for an absolute cracker
3: I think I remember you saying to us before, Lindsay talking about the, the transition um, and, and fears in, in maybe the last year or two that you know, if Mick stepped away or if a number of those senior players stepped away that there would be a, a bit of a transition period but, but that hasn't come to pass which I guess has been massively important that you have that experience
1: yeah, it's amazing. Like, in fairness, we lost so many players over the last two years, and there was probably question marks whether whether Mick was going to stay on. And had he stepped away, you probably would have been fearful. Um, but look what what he's after doing the team this year. Like I said, 14 new players in on the panel compared to this time last year. Um, and I don't know against. Against Cork at the weekend, they just looked really strong, really fit, kept the scoreboard ticking over. I think, tactically, Mick got his match-up spot on. Um, Yeah, and they're very impressive.
3: Was it a jump-up in performance against Cork as well? Like, I mean, uh, Shane Rene, the the Cork manager, even after the match was saying, I thought it was Dublin's best display of the season, and it it wasn't the Dublin that they'd been analysing in, in the previous few weeks. So that, I guess, would hint that the performance levels from Dublin just went up a notch, I guess
1: yeah like i said I think um they've been kind of just building a neat performance so they did a very impressive win against Mead in the lancer final, but for me, I think they let a, left a lot of scores behind them um but even their shot to score ratio at the weekend, I think they- scored twenty out of twenty seven scores from play, so shot score ratio of seventy four percent compared to you know cork I think were five at seventeen so twenty nine from play you know um so I think just all over the pitch, they really upped their performance. Abby Shields had three amazing uh, saves. Jen Dunn was in flying form against Hannah Looney. They did a great battle in the middle of the park. And then up front, look, you have Carla ohanna Tyrrell, um have been their top scorers throughout the season and they both walked away with one too. Like, So I just think over the pit, all over the pitch, everyone was really at the top of their performance. And, you know, I suppose there was a bit of statement of intent as well, like, questions have been asked of them. You could even see with Jen Dunn's reaction after the game. She's kind of a very emotional and speaking about how how they have been kind of written off this year. So I think for them it just goes to show how much it meant to them to get back to a final.
3: Incessant pressure on the court kick out as well, Lindsay. I think one of the one of the key um I guess points in the game that, that really led to the Dublin win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, they really stepped up in the forward line. And I think that's somewhere where they'll definitely look to target against Kerry now in two weeks' time. Um, Was I think even the battle against Hannah Tyrrell and Roisin Feeling was like, was really good. In, um, but yes, when I think, was it Hannah? Like, I think Roisin kind of did really well to keep her quiet. But yes, you know, Hannah got a great interception that led to their first goal, which was so important. So I suppose it's key moments like that. um. That she's on the pitch for, and look, like I said, I think they really did put pressure on that 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 core kickers.
3: Did you expect Dublin to be in the final when this when this season started? Like Mick Bowen certainly seemed to to suggest after the match that last October, when he was thinking about this this coming season, he did not expect to be in an All Ireland final.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I suppose at the beginning of the year, I probably would have had the same opinion as Mick. It, it was hard to know um, because I wasn't sure kind of what players that they were gonna have. Um, but even the first uh, league win against me out in DCU, um, I was go like, okay, no, like, it kind of was a bit of reassurance going Oh, There's definitely there's definitely still a lot of football in this team. Um, and I think credit has to be given to their strength and conditioning coach, Sammy Dowling. Um, He's done a lot of work with them throughout the year. And I think they all look so strong and so unbelievably fit, like at one stage throughout the game. Um, was this Neve Crowley, who I t- think had a super game as well? Like she won the ball, um was it just on the top of the tee in Dublin side? Carried the ball the whole way up the pitch. You could see Jen Dunn, probably about 10 yards behind her, power and pass, laid it off. And unfortunately, it was wide, but um, that oh, would have been a great score. But just uh, I think the condition of them, they look great.
2: Uh, Lindsay, let's talk a little bit about um, Kerry. For Kerry, obviously, there was heartbreaking last year's all-out in final. And then they managed to overcome Meath already, who had hammered them last year and actually the, the previous year as well. So they're on what they would see as a, an upward curve and a relatively comfortable semi-final for them too. So they'll be feeling pretty good about life heading into this final.
1: Yeah, 100%. Look, they've been very impressive this year as well, coming off the back of the heartache last year. I think they really had a statement of intent in the league. Um, a very impressive win over Galway. Um, I think, though, for me, though, with Kerry, come Championship, I feel like their performance has dipped. Um, you know, Cork with them in the Munster. They beat them then in the Munster final. Um, obviously, it was an absolute cracker of a game with Kerry and Dublin in the group stages. Um, but even their last two games, um, you know, against Mead and again, um, against Mayo at the weekend, I feel their second half performances, they both dipped now, like against um, Meade two weeks ago, like in fairness to conditions where horrendous Kerry only got one point in the second half, and what was it, six points this half against uh, Mayo at the weekend, so I think for them that's an area that they will look to go after, um, but look, Louise murray Hersick has just been in phenomenal form for them. One ten 10 at the weekend, 4 from freeze. And in even that group game that they had in Parnell Park against Dublin, I think she walked away with 1-6. Um, so I kind of feel like it's uh, kind of a match-up like the men. They're very similar teams in how they play. Um, But I think if Dublin can minimise Louise's impact, kind of like uh, David Clifford, I don't think you're going to negate him from the game completely. But I think if you can minimise Louise's impact in the game and to know, try and stop some of this fireball into it, then I think Dublin have a very good chance of uh, winning. Uh,
2: there was a nice little bit of needle in that game in Parnell Park. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we should expect a little bit of needless uh, in a fortnight's time as well.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. And look, that's what you want to see. I think in that game, um, after the final whistle, I think Dublin very unlucky to win. I think. A ball dropped in over Abbey's head and look, it turned out to be the score that changed the game. Um, but even towards the end, Dublin were really battling on. They finished really strong against Cork at the weekend. Um, so I really think this this is going to be the game that we want to see. When I walked away from Parnell Park that day, I was like, I really hope this these are the two teams that we see in the final.
3: Uh, the, the I guess, chance to play a four something as well, Lindsay, is, is big on the Kerry side because even their joint manager, Daryl Long, after the match making the point that Sheeffer O'Shea their their captain has been a bit of an inspiration in the in the dressing room. Cruciate injury the end ended her season. And it's by the way, a second cruciate injury in recent years for mm-hmm. Sheeffer as well, which is which is really tough to take. But uh, clearly someone who still is a leader in the dressing room. So sometimes that can that can help a team having something to play for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, oh, it's it's one of those injuries, uh Crucial that you wouldn't wish on anyone and for Sheeffer. That's the second time round doing it. And look, you your captain as well like she's going to be a leader within the camp um, and it's just unfortunate for them like she is a massive awesome but look I suppose it is great that she is that still having a contribution in the dressing room Um, but for them I think the last time Kerry won in All-Ireland was back in 93 if I'm right so like you know for them being a massive achievement 30 years later doing it again um, look it's funny because like Louisa Mahertic I have such respect for her. I think she's an unbelievable footballer and Joe uh, I really would love to see her L- love to see her win in All Ireland, but unfortunately just not at Dublin's expense this time round.
3: because yeah, even she forgot the goal, didn't she, in Parnell Park, in the in the, the game earlier in the year, like, in, like along with Louise, the more her dig of course, she's she's a key figure, so a key miss as well for carrying that final.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Um and look even you see the rest of the girls stepping up. Hannah O'Donoghue is going to be a big player for them. She walked out with three points at the weekend. Danielle O'Leary in full forward line as well. So in fairness, they still have a really strong uh, full forward line. But yeah, uh, she is definitely going to be a massive loss for them.
2: Uh, I was really hoping that there would be a draw in the men's game because mm-hmm. it would have been a whole weekend of Dublin Kerry. The men's on the Saturday and then the women's on the Sunday. It could have been two extravaganzas.
1: Oh it would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Now Dean Rock might disagree with that now considering <laughs> his with weekends on on the Friday. Um but geez, that would have really set it up for a cracking weekend, wouldn't it?
2: What did you make of the, the final?
1: Um yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um again I thought Dublin kinda of got their matchup spot on. Simon did really well on Clifford. Um and I look, I just love Dublin carry battles. So I think they really do bring out the best of each other and for me like I was very fortunate back in 2011. Brian Cullen was the captain back then when they, they beat him and he brought the wire back. So for me, I always really look forward to Dublin carry battles. And look, the weekend was no different. It really came down to the wire. Um, it's Tough conditions in Croker. I think anytime Croker is kind of wet, um, it can really make things a bit difficult. Um, But look, I was just probably delighted to see Dublin clip over a few points at the end to, to win it.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed the weather's a bit better for the women's final. Um a good, yeah, good chance for it to be an, another record crowd it's been a while obviously since we've had those record crowds but nothing gets the, those fans and the bandwagon rolling like Dublin Kerry
1: yeah 100% and look the fact that Kerry are back in it Dublin are back in it now after a two year break and I really do hope that the, the crowd come out and support them and wouldn't it wouldn't be amazing if we were able to top the, the record attendance of 56,000 this year
2: Lindsay good stuff thanks a million for joining us cheers no thank you uh, Lindsay Davy giving us some thoughts on uh, Dublin Kerry Mark Two for uh, the women's final in, as I said, 11 days, 10 days now? Uh, five minutes past nine this morning here on OTBAM. AM. Uh, reminder, Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off The Ball. Brayburn Coffee coming to an Apple Green store near you. New locations popping up oh, every month. Visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn coffee experience. After the break, Tommy Rooney crosses the T's and dots the I's on the definitive 2023 power rankings for the last time for Tyrone.
6: OTB
7: AM
0: The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball.
7: Paddy, can you just describe what we're watching there in the middle of the field?
6: You're going to start crying, aren't you? Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fifty Macarandino out in the middle of the pitch. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, bigfoot Simon's there lads Jesus Christ Clifford is an animal and he's going to have unbelievable days again Fitzy out there look the three boys and we don't know what the plans are for anyone here Let's way for another day but uh, every, all season within Dublin you just got a sense that the boys are going to make this happen and you mightn't see all these guys again we don't know that they don't owe anyone anything look at the guys who were massive Mannion coming back today outstanding five points Cluxton clipping two frees Kerry coming after on the kickouts he was immaculate again and Fitzy on Clifford you didn't fancy it Jimmy and to be fair not many people did but I was I know that man I've known that man for nearly 20 years i played him for about 15 he just has not way about him. He was just not going to lose that battle hands down. And some of the moments he puts Clifford under pressure. But I'm looking at those three guys in the middle of the pitch. Who knows if we'll see them all again. But I tell you what, even if we don't, they don't owe anyone anything. But what a special day. Kerry are a brilliant team. They were great champions. But I just got the feeling all year the Dubs are going to make this happen. And, and thank God they've done it in the end. So many these critics, these pundits <laughs> Generally speaking, I'd be a fan of off the ball Exactly, and like Tommy you knows a football Obviously Listening listen to football at the odd time and when I was looking at the power
7: rankings And I thought that Jesus almost still be feeling the effects of these mushrooms yeah, But they just dismiss you like, you, you know You have
0: nothing to do with the bloody occasion
7: Tommy Good morning to you Morning Jerry, morning Shane Morning man. How are we?
3: We're good, how are you? Very good. That clip of uh, Tommy uh, making Paddy Andrews cry, you're going to cry, aren't you? It was like the, you know the, the X Factor sob stories. Tommy just, I shouldn't, go on, and cry. I shouldn't,
7: have, I shouldn't have said it because <laughs> when I said it I realised there was already a tear rolling down his cheeks. So, <laughs> you, were, um, you were just thinking of the view. Yeah, look, it, it was great to actually record there. I know, the, the, like it was, the immediately after full time there was a lot of emotion. Very hard to process the game straight away. Um, so a lot of that podcast on Sunday is is emotion and tributes to Clarkson and McCarthy and Simons and um yeah yeah it was great it was it was actually it was great to see that as well that the other way we all get caught up in the emotion of it but I think it's different when it's your teammates or your brothers or your sisters as you know players that feel when they're looking at their the big days
3: the hand of the shoulder from from James O'Donohue as well yeah nice touch. yeah yeah. <laughs>
7: classy touch from James he's a classy guy magnanimous in defeat he held up his hands he got one or two calls wrong this year um, so yeah desperation <laughs> but hey lads it's such fine lines my god
2: uh, well it is such fine lines but it's not fine lines that I um, like that I didn't predict that them were going to be the number one five five months ago Tommy
7: not, so, not such fine lines hands up congratulations <laughs>
2: uh, 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 not too late now too late now, you all—you got a lot of nerve to say you are my friend. You just want to be on the side that's winning. Mm.
3: That's what Roy hey. Keane was listening to in Saipan, by the way. A little bit of Positively 4th Street from Bob Dylan. Mm.
0: Okay.
3: There were, there were efforts, weren't there, to get Owen Sheehan on with us this morning. Um, to have a formal, I guess, handover uh, post-mortem on Kerry. Um, i would ring owns, him here. Owen's still on the. You're going to ring him? He's unavailable. No, no, no. Unavailable for the selection. Come
2: here. Um, he, he, he was... It was Fitzsimons, Rock, and who was on the on the pitch there? McCarty. McCarty. Um, yeah. I only heard Ashling's interview with Dean Rock afterwards, just how close mm. Rock and McCarthy are. Rock was talking about he really did not want to replay. I better kick this, because if there's a replay, my wedding's going to be scotched. His wedding is uh, the week after next, I think. And uh, James McCarthy's going to be his best man that's how that's how close they are but then so I was just looking back because at the end of Dean Rock we kind of you know he hasn't been in the team this year but his career absolutely ludicrous like mm. absolutely sensational so uh, he won where's the I've just lost it here he started his first league match for Dublin in 2015 after which he participated in 63 consecutive league and championship games yeah that's insanity
7: yeah it's remarkable yeah
2: and so there's going to be a sluicing out of the system. Somebody somebody said to me, in all seriousness, in the pub afterwards on Sunday night, who's <laughs> a massive, who knows everything about Dublin football, doesn't want even win Leinster next year. I was like, I mean, what? No. Seriously, straight-faced. Full celebration. They're not even going to win Leinster next year. This is the end. This is the end. I,
7: I like... Who knows what's going to happen in the off season. Like who could have predicted what happened this year? Like who could have predicted Manning and McCaffrey coming back in October? Was it Gilroy in mid-March? Cluksen in late March? It was hard to believe what was going on. And it was such a mental manic season that it was difficult to process it and to say they're going to do what they're going to do. Like they didn't just add a little bit extra to the team. Like, that entire All-Ireland was won by Cluxon, Mannion, McCaffrey's impact off the bench, Colin Bascale, who's come back to the panel this year. Like, his second half. Jerry why would any of them leave? Now, it's such a personal decision. Like, there could be any amount of reasons for going. They've done everything. But, like, James McCarthy was going around flaking fellas. That man could do that for another five years. Stephen Cluxon was 42. He was kicking 45s and frees from behind do you know, like, he, he got 23 out of 23 kick outs away. 100% accuracy. Yeah. Why would he go? Michael Fitzsimons did a man-marking job in David Clifford and did exceptionally well. He had a very good season all year long. Like, there's no reason that any of them have to go. It's just, we don't know what's going to happen in the off-season. We have no idea what's going to happen to the dubs, but Jack McCaffrey, I felt, said it afterwards mm-hmm. in his post-match interview um, at the banquet with Joanne Well, He said... Don't make a mistake here, like. we didn't come back to add another couple of medals to the pockets of lads that were full of them already. We came back here to show the younger lads how to win in an All-Ireland. And by God, have we seen just how good those lads are. And he said, the next boys coming through are even better than what we were. That's the point. You,
3: you, you're it's made. not true though, they're not better. No, but you're, you're making the point. I hope is. not, I hope not. They're not but better. If, if they are hearing... better,
2: then we're splitting Dublin in two.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> three, they, sorry, three. If they lose Rock, he wasn't playing. If they lose Cluxton... Uh, Comerford comes, comes back in granted McCarthy would be and you know if someone like Brian Fenton were to, were to leave or, or one of those lads who are on the level below with the 30 kind of
2: Well there's the, the 29, 30 year olds who are that Fenton Davy Byrne that era mm. there's, there's talk that many of them are considering taking a year out at least and look I don't know I mean maybe they are and you can totally understand it maybe they do what Brian Howard did and they travel until January and they yeah. come back. And that's what everybody,
7: like, go now. <coughs> Get it done. Even Howard said, even Howard said with you guys yesterday morning how surprised he was when he got back at the standards that he walked into. Now, it's difficult to process it, but what does that say about the Dublin of the last two years, you yeah. know? Um, and like, I heard Brian Fenton <coughs> speaking speaking afterwards as well and the hurt that they felt over those two years of, of, of falling short, like, they, they lost my point in two All-Ireland semi-finals. Like, the standards couldn't have been that low, you know? No. They could not have been that... They weren't that far away. But it was just obvious that we weren't watching the Dublin that we saw in... say That that felt like 15 yesterday, that All-Ireland final win. They, they did the right things. They did just enough. And they pulled away going down the stretch. It was a very, very impressive performance in Dublin. I felt like they really went for it. I actually felt in 2019, watching that All-Ireland final, the first one, that history seemed to impinge them a little bit. That was a very young Kerry side in that 2019 All-Ireland final. Cooper was sent off early. Kerry should have won that day. Kerry should have held on that day. And it felt like the weight of that five in a row was on that Dublin squad. They were chasing history again yesterday. Like, it was such a motivating factor for so many of those players to see James McCarthy, Mick Simons, and Stephen Cluxon walk up and collect their ninth All-Ireland medal. I like, do not underestimate how much that hurts Kerry as well. That they're eight All-Ireland winner club has been surpassed. Now in 2020, they were taking level and now at the weekend, there's a new club of nine All-Ireland winners. So um, history was there again this weekend. It was unbelievable stuff. It was, it was an unbelievable performance. Yeah, just, there was a number of, there was a number of that
3: Dublin team that maybe, because if you'd said before the game, Conor Callaghan, Conor, Conor Callan would be held scoreless. You know, a couple of them would have, would have off days. You're thinking, all right, this is Kerry's to take. But like, they, there's just something about that last five minutes of a game because we often talked about the th- Dublin third quarter but both Monahan and Kerry nullified to a degree that Dublin third quarter in the semi-final and final and yet towards the very end of the game the experience came back in why are you smirking there Jar?
2: I'm reading Cavan O'Brien's tweet from, from the other day the whole country wanted Dublin to lose today which makes it just much better don't be jealous just because when news open just eat all you see is your local Maxwell garage deli bleeding cold
3: uh nothing wrong with the Maxwell garages. Yeah, <laughs> it's great to see them winning, Tommy. Isn't it? As a Meath man and Kader man beside me here as well, you must be both absolutely delighted. I know. Look,
7: I, yesterday I, I carried Dublin All Ireland final. All you want is a great game. I yeah. carried like let's not make any bones about it. Kerry have won thirty-eight All Ireland. You can't be. i <laughs> neutral, like you know, you know. As a neutral yesterday, I just wanted to see a great game. Um, we didn't we got, get we, got, we, got, we didn't get it, Tommy. Did we? Ah, oh, we got, well, okay, it wasn't great, but in the circumstances, and with the rain, the tension, the yeah, noise.
3: Yeah. Like, Shane, were you in there yesterday? Like, No, no, I was watching from home, course, and, and you got that sense on TV noise. as well. It was
7: tense, like, but but it no, wasn't shame, a great shame. game. Shane, the noise. I don't know what, like a dublin Kerry All-Ireland final, the noise yesterday was something else. It
2: like, was, it was. and
7: It was it, something else.
2: So one of the things I was thinking about afterwards was that there were no minor fans there from competing, from non-competing counties. Like, maybe there have been some times where the minor and the senior game are exactly the same. Under the mm. old provincial system, and so that wouldn't have that might have happened before. But everybody was there to see just that game, and uh, there was certainly periods in the second half where it was like the place
7: is shaking. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was looking, and, and I actually, I, I obviously, it wasn't a great game, a classic, but just that tension, the turnovers, the manic. Like there was one phase of play, I think the Dublin get a score from it, where McCarty's going through and he gets turned over. Then they forced the turnover back in, in the Kerry defence. Mm. But then Kerry went back and they go and attack. And I actually think they missed the chance. Or I think it maybe led to the, the Clifford Fitzsimons free that gets overturned, which leads to a Paul Mannion equaliser at the far end. Like, it was just absolutely insane. It wasn't that, you know, phases of play where, you know, you keep the ball for three minutes and be conservative and you hold it and you go slow. It was teams losing the ball, taking chances and turning over. I think the one thing, the one big difference yesterday, Kerry's trick went quick transition. I don't know how I said it there. Kerry's quick transition can come from kicking the football. And they didn't really kick it yesterday. I think they rattled themselves once or twice. Tom Sullivan played a ball to Paul Ganey and it skidded over the end line. But when the Dubs moved it, they moved it through the hands. And they moved so fast through the hands. And I don't think Kerry were doing that as well as Dublin did. And that they, they suffered massively from that. Um, because any time David Clifford shot, it felt like he was shooting from a very difficult angle or under pressure. And one of the things I think he might learn as well, especially against Dublin, when he misses, it's a score. And the noise when he missed. And even if he showed a little bit of frustration, the noise from the Dublin fans, they were giving it. And I think that just sucked the energy out a little bit. So, I don't know, there was one stage, I have to watch it back, but Killian Spillane had kicked a brilliant point. And I feel Spillane had another possession. And Spillane should have spun his man. Spillane is just off the bench he says, should have backed himself he should have went for it yeah. and he slipped it to Clifford under pressure in the rain and it just spilled out of his hands like there were just moments like that where I just think later on a Clifford point is worth two there and I know he probably knew that himself
3: and that that Spillane point is on 66 minutes and that it uh, was Kerry's yeah. first point in 15 so yeah. like they, that period from 51 minutes to 66 Kerry don't score until Spillane pops so it so over so their three point lead but, goes to zero yeah
7: Dublin, mean, but a seven-two lock. I mean, Dublin mean, scored him seven-two from the fifteen minute. It's absolutely and and the 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 amount of influence that Jack McCaffrey had on that. Yeah, like when you watch, when you do watch it back, the amount of influence, like like Paddy Clifford, I think gets scored the second of his third points when McCaffrey's brought brought in. Clifford scores another, but then it's a Jack McCaffrey show after that. He's involved in everything. It's just
2: so I I half think from listening to him that he's not going to stop McCaffrey. That it seemed like he was just having the crack and enjoying it in a way do you remember he he spoke before about after the drawing game feeling sickened that he had to play again he'd had it in his head that the whole season was mm. over and that he couldn't face that and that was that yeah. was real but uh, speaking to Bernard
7: Brogan about that yeah no that was that was powerful stuff talking about the the feeling in his stomach at the end of the drawing game thinking can't do this do again this all again yeah
2: Whereas somebody somebody said he was off in Africa and came back and he was totally rejuvenated. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think if you if he was to stay and if Mannion was to stay, well, then all of a sudden, I mean, as we know, that's a different ball game And that might convince a yeah, few more of them to. I,
7: yeah, I genuinely don't think there's any point speculating over who's going to stay and who's going to go. I we've like, a long winter
2: ahead of us. What are you talking about?
7: Especially these couple of days, I think. You used to produce this show, for God's sake. I think they're totally elated at the moment, right? And I don't think anyone's walking away this week. But when, you know, Monday Club enters week two and they're still going next Monday and they're looking at the club championship at the weekend and they're thinking about the jobs they have to go back to and the lives that they have to live. And I, I just think then they'll start thinking about it in a, in a week or two. I don't think anyone's thinking about it. I think they're all staying now. They're all going for 10 now. Well, Jack, Which is scary. Wasn't someone saying Jack McCaffrey's working in a, in,
3: in a hospital in Galway, so obviously he's travelling... Back and forth across the country for for trainings. I don't know. Or uh, people in Clontarf won't want to hear me saying this, but maybe clubs in Galway might be um, perking their ears up and trying to do a, a Shane Walsh job in this. But like those players, like that 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 commitment and that work coming across the country for for training, like that those take its toll. I'm not saying Jack's going to step aside, but like that's
2: certain- only two hours uh, listen, in the road
3: these days, and it? it's fine.
7: I hard. never, I could never, I'd never judge somebody for switching clubs because of travel so that's hey. my body here. <laughs> let's keep going <laughs> wow. it's not easy 500 kilometer round trips it's um,
2: not easy being me you try one you life try. Two, one life, two clubs you try having a house in Mayo and one in Brussels and one in Dublin you try it
7: sometime <laughs> that's the late late isn't it
2: uh, so there's no change to anything is there no, there is yeah ok 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 we go through this Oh,
7: uh, yeah, we don't have to do 33 to to, to to, we don't, I don't want to relitigate Monaghan with Shane here so well, oh, let's yeah. just go straight to,
0: yeah. if you lose That's to
3: the just,
7: eventual winners do you not go up team in, 33
3: or no. in
2: for, for what it's worth uh, no, So you
3: our, our final
2: page for the final time this year Tyrone are 8 Galway are 7 Armagh are 6 Monaghan are 5 Mayo are 4 <laughs>
3: Derry are 3 Kerry are 2 and Dublin are 1 Swap the, swap the top two there do you notice that that's the only all change. year yeah. all year Kerry sitting no. high in Tommy's power rankings isn't that right
7: no 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 Gull always, well, right. always spent two weeks in first yeah, yeah. Bright, you know, Dublin uh, Dublin has spent I think I ha- I'll have to go through it I think it's something like 10 out of 16 weeks in second something like that they've been second for a while
3: you were, no, you were the fancy dance. You were the fancy dance, Tommy. You were the newspaper on the wall in the Dublin dressing room, or like that. Those. I don't. Rankings. I don't think
7: so. I don't think so. There could have been a quote from James Dunne who hanging up there, but I don't think it was the Power Rankings, to be honest. Um, yeah, like Jerry, you called it. I think it was back in April you called it, and I think it's easy to call it when you're sitting where you were. Whoa! <laughs> oh, what? Sitting, but when you It's, got it's easy the, to be
2: correct, is it? <laughs> and you, you were incorrect. On
7: the You've got all the pie charts and the, the stats on the walls here around me and you're trying to figure out the algorithm. Kerry were All-Ireland champions and they were still All-Ireland champions.
2: Paralysis by Dean analysis. Rock, That's what Dean happened.
7: Rock got free in the seventy-six minute and went down, right down to the wire. So we had a good go of it with the Power Rankings this year. I, I would say we had a good go of you it. You tried your best. You got a few things wrong, certainly. I, I think we had a good season, lads. I think we had plenty of good discussions, good conversations. And, you know, I was hoping Owen Sheen would be here for the official handover, but best of luck with that fella next year because I had five years trying to produce him and that was a bloody disaster <laughs> so. uh, he's he, both approach it in very different
3: ways as well like the, the methods are completely different
7: yeah Owen makes it very personal
3: Owen's, um, Owen's messages have basically dried up over yeah. the last
2: 24 hours I, I, I have no, no idea what part we were actually getting more dispatches when he was in deep, deepest darkest Peru than we've <laughs> got since he's been back in Kerry
7: yeah, well, I, I was actually with him. I know you you experienced the match with him on um, on Sunday. I experienced the post match debrief, and the shayans are a great clan. They're all fairly upbeat. You know, they were like, "Look at, we feel like we had our chances and we didn't take them." So fair play to the Dubs, and they were all in good spirits. I haven't heard from them since. So I don't know whether the Monday Blues kicked in the next day, and they started realizing the opportunity that they let slip, just like 2019. There was a definite.
3: Uh, I was down in the Sheehan House in Farn Four or the Fire East last week, and lovely breakfast, lovely spread put up by Carmel, and and like the confidence in the house. There was a, a le- an air of confidence. Owen of the Kerry jersey out. There was they have a big mosaic on the on the wall of the of the uh, I guess conservatory or, or part of the kitchen. And Jerry, you're honest. I'm honest. Oh really? There's a there's a photo of you yourself and uh, th- yourself and Owen chatting to the family on air last year. And there's a photo of myself in my Galway jersey with Owen in his Kerry jersey before the All Ireland last year. and... So it's it's emotional. It's it's all the hey, league games. It's the, the family. It, there's basically, basically a shrine to Kerry football in the house. Like
7: hold on a second. They named their only daughter Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that says it all. I think that says all. No, look. Uh, if you're a Kerry person, how could you not be like? The, hmm. the, the, David Clifford said after the game in the in the post-match banquet, and I saw some Dublin people take offence to this, and I didn't. I didn't really read into it. He said, "Thanks for all the support this year. We, we're 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 sorry for not getting the job done." Sorry to the management, sorry to Jack, we let you down. Hopefully next year we can right those wrongs. They feel like they have an official birthright to winning All-Irelands. And they bloody well do. They're always in the mix. There are peaks and troughs, but Kerry are always in the mix. And somebody said it yesterday, when Dublin aren't winning All-Irelands, that's when we should be asking questions. They have the biggest population, they have the deepest pockets. They should be there nearly every year. It's every other county that are trying to get there. They're trying to break up those two. 31 and 38. That's what, 69, is it? It's a lot of All-Ireland titles. Mm, nice. Over the last and, 140-ish years, is it? My maths are kind of falling short here. It's a lot of All-Ireland titles. Oh, where's all when you need him? He would have got
2: that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I got it, I got it. I got it. Uh, so uh, I got it too. Who's who is going to stop next year? I don't think all the dubs are coming back I think while you're saying no point speculating certainly there was a last dance bang off a lot of this and I suspect yeah. that when the bodies are sore and the mind clears in two weeks time they'll be like my hole is sickened I can't do this again I'm finished I've, had, I've, I've literally climbed every single mountain that history has built for us there are no more mountains uh, there are, there no, are mountains. no more
7: mountains the there ten, are no more
2: mountains Henry and his 10 I'm sorry I don't actually care like fair play to him that's incredible yeah. my nine are amazing uh, and all the eights yeah,
7: and Rena, Rena Buckley has eleventh. so there's always one more to go you yeah know?
2: then there's a bunch of eights like yeah. does Rena Buckley not have 20 between the oh she
7: could she could actually have way yeah. more yeah she's um, way
2: more football titles football titles she has yeah. 11. Um, yeah so look uh, I don't know I'd be very surprised and I wouldn't be terribly surprised if there's like a new management team who come in with like a, and there are a new core of, of young dubs who are coming through and uh, then it's John Small and Paddy Small's team and Carly Bascal and uh, uh, and who who knows who's left at the end of that. But that's why I think Greenville it was is 18. 18. 18, 18 sorry, I close. Uh, I think that's why stopping Kerry this year was hugely important because Kerry could easily just have got on a roll and all of a sudden like if Kerry won this and all the Dubs were retiring next year you'd be like ooh, Kerry had gone back to back.
7: Nick, Michael Foley said it in his uh, Sunday, or in his RT montage at the end of the game. This wasn't about stopping two in a row for Kerry. This was about stopping three in a row in 2024. Like that's that was that was part of it. Like you know, Kerry went to all Ireland. David Clifford went All-Ireland. Who's stopping them next year? Nobody. Like as you said, the lads who came back, the Dubs. Like imagine the deflation they feel after putting everything into it, getting everything back on track. All the energy, all the emotion, all the secrecy. To come back, you know? And then they fall short at the last minute because of a... David Clifford scores a wonder score from the Cusick and a wonder score from the Hogan. Like that easily could have happened yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Such fine lines. Imagine Clifford rattled the back in the net with that chance when he went for goal. Do you know, like, it's... Imagine Gavin White, instead of going backwards, used the unbelievable pace he had to burst through. There must have been something wrong with him. There must have been something wrong with Gavin White because even his chase back afterwards... Maybe it just dawned on him when he was looking at the hill that there was a goal happening here, but like even his chase back isn't a hundred percent, you know. Like, but even then, I'm not. Imagine, to... Paul, imagine Paul Murphy slid and missed the ball, and Shane Ryan saved it. Such fine lines. Or like. it goes wide. And,
6: it could yeah, easily have gone
7: wide. Such fine lines, and the Dubs grab that game by the throat towards the end, and they strangle the life out of it, as they have done in sixteen and seventeen to Mayo, as they have done so many times throughout the last couple of years. They're an unbelievable team, and as you said, they've climbed every mountain they possibly can. Please just go away now.
2: Yeah, retire. <laughs> Come <laughs> here. Um, who who's who's actually next? Well, in, like, in your pecking order, I don't think Mayo are there. Don't at laugh. All, to be don't laugh
7: at me. But like, poor Joyce, the continuity of staying on. Like, is Keane or Neil going to stay? You'd have very. Good conversation with Keane O'Neill. It was great to hear at the last day. If they can keep their team together, if they can continue their footballers and go away, there's plenty more coming through. They're building a group there, they have depth. It all slipped away so quickly this year against our man in the last couple of minutes. They ended up drawing Mayo in the in the in the in the pot, and Mayo caught them in Salt Hill, but Sean Kelly and Damien Comer injured. They're two best footballers, not right. And Mayo bet them. Silk like play as well. Like mm-hmm. Silk, Silk wasn't there. Silk was never going to be back this year. But there's Sean McCarran, Kieran Malloy. There's so many good footballers in Galway. And do you know what? The likes of David Clifford and Shane Walsh and Conor Glass need a bloody break. They're probably not going to get it for a while. I hope their clubs don't do well this year. Those lads look spent towards the end of the All-Ireland Championship. Sean Kelly too. They had such long years last year and they were going into a chaotic, crazy championship. I hope a lot of these players come back refreshed, next February or March and we get to see them properly in action because uh, I do think Galway are going to be the mix I do think Derry who's going to be the new manager of Derry is Kieran Mina going to stay in there is somebody new going to come in Shane your good friend Malachy O'Rourke is he going mm. to be hanging around Derry I don't know what's going to happen there do you know is there a chance that Derry come in and they're actually bring through some of these under 20s and minors and they're freshen up what they've got because Derry have hit a hit a level that is so so impressive I do think that they can go another level or two so I think Derry could be in the mix they could definitely do with a fresh start there um, Galway, Derry Kerry oh, what's going to happen in Mayo Kerry are favourites right it, what's going to happen in Mayo it's going to be interesting As we so, here today, and let's not forget the fifth, the fifth ranked team in the power rankings Monaghan where are yep. they going to be next year Shane tell me where are Monaghan going to be next well if they're in the final they'll be third
3: in the power rankings that's all I can tell you
7: no where are Monaghan going to be next year
3: I think that, I Finney Corey's first year as we move on we'll ask Conor McManus tomorrow in studio
7: you know? Oh, brilliant. Well, oh, look, I'm looking forward to that.
3: Fantastic. That'll be good. But Meave, me, of course, Tottenham Cup champions next year. Is that we had the Galway 98 team getting the centenary celebration, or not centenary, but the, um, the yeah. commemorations Greatest of the Greatest day ever years. for Kildare fans in, in Croker on Sunday. Well, oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Dublin well, winning again. Hooray. Oh, 98, magic. Hey. Before, before next year's final, that's 1999, 25 years on, Meave. We've so mm-hmm. got the the great Meave team coming on before next year's final. Looking
7: forward well, to that, Tommy. Do you know what that says to me, Shane? Twenty-five years is a bloody long time for a county like me to leave our learnings go. Like for what they had built for those twenty years. So, hopefully,
2: isn't it? Isn't it? Ashburn, they get a bounce. Isn't it Ashburn, GAA club's fault? I'm not talking about that.
7: I'm not talking about that. All right. What's that about? I'm not talking about that because I will not be allowed back into the county of mead if I say what I feel. I cannot say what I feel. Ah, I cannot ah, hear. Go on. I don't, I don't even know
3: what you're talking about. Go on.
7: If I speak. If I speak, I'm in no. trouble. Right, go on, give me, give, give me a hint of what you're talking about. Celebrate it, but like, just I don't know, do it somewhere else. Like, come on. There was word that they didn't even show the Tatchen Cup final in the clubhouse. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. But if Mead can take and Cavan and Westmead, Westmead did it in the All Ireland Series. Cavan didn't get the bounce. Mead need to get the bounce because there are fantastic young footballers coming through in Mead, and they need to continue that upward curve. And they would have got confidence in that performance in Crow Park they've taken so many weapons there in big days so hopefully it is a winter in Mead where they're building on what they have and there'll be loads of counties like that loads of them Ashburn G A Club had
2: um, was taken over by the locals who are all wearing their Dublin jerseys supporting the dubs
3: oh at the weekend yeah oh.
2: and there was a rumour I don't. we have yet to stack it up that perhaps they didn't show the Talchon Cup final in the clubhouse maybe it was shown but maybe it was under supported I don't know certainly this is the the, the
3: doublefication of uh, South Meath and North Kildare continues apace Jesus we will approach Ashburn GA of course for comment we will we have to
7: yeah <laughs> you should yeah mm. go for it Tommy you Get came the union on too when you're at it
3: you came
2: you saw you conquered certainly Monaghan anyway uh, we had a bit of crack lads to
7: be fair oh, oh, It was very did. enjoyable We had good fun and thanks to everybody who uh, engaged and abused me all year long um, I, There was plenty of people who I think enjoyed the conversations we had Um, Got a great shout out in the Indo last week too well, you, you, you allow the rest of us to get
3: abuse as well Tommy because anytime any of us are out and about we get abuse for the power rankings even though we have absolutely no say over it It's Your decisions allow us to get abuse
7: That's fair Shane well, so you. I apologise for that. Now you have you have poured petrol on the fire a couple of times this year.
3: I have. Well, you could have fixed it. You could have fixed it. You know how, but sure I, don't. Uh, it's not I'm not fixing.
2: I'm looking forward to normal service being resumed next year and the power. Yeah, I know year. Yeah, yeah. And in, hey, he deserves it.
7: See you, lads. Thank Tommy. you. Tommy. See you, boys.
2: Both. Tommy Rooney, there, who's dead to us now. It's nine thirty-six. <laughs>
3: Never to be seen again.
2: Yeah. Uh, right. Don't miss all the action in Rugby Daily today in your OTB podcast network, bringing you everything you need to know about rugby. Get your favourite local restaurants. Deliver to your door with Deliveroo. Just open up the app, browse some great offers, take your pick, and they'll take care of the rest. Deliveroo. Food. We get it.
0: OTB
1: AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball.